This is LBC 97.3. LBC 97.3. Call 08456060973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning. I bet you're dying to hear my opinion, aren't you? I could just imagine by this time they're going, now what will Steve Allen open with this morning? And the answer is the same as everybody else has opened with, but I'm not going to bore the pants off you, you know, with sort of reading endless tributes to Margaret Thatcher. All I could say is, it doesn't matter what your political persuasion, it makes no difference, you know, what colour you are, anything. Well, of course, it made a bit of a difference if you were gay, because Clause 28 was brought in by Margaret Thatcher. And, uh, it, but it doesn't make any difference. She was a very, very powerful woman. You won't see her like ever again. There is nobody who ever came close to Margaret Thatcher in the Cabinet. There were never any other women in the Cabinet, which is probably a very wise decision. Uh, she powered on. She did it her way as she said, and eventually it brought about her downfall. So it's very sad she's died, but she was a very powerful person. She really had crawled her way up. She was an example to everybody. But the one thing you have to remember is that she was fiercely patriotic. Fiercely patriotic. There is nothing that she wouldn't have done for the country. So along, listen, not even the almighty managed to please everybody all of the time. So, you know, what her, her, her legacy was that people owned their council houses, people were able to buy shares in some of the big companies. There were lots of pluses. There were a few minuses. We had the poll tax riots. Of course, the unions didn't get on with them. But why would they? They seemed to be hell-bent on bringing the country down most of the time. You know, every time. I mean, let's face it, we've, we've dealt with it enough times on LBC, haven't we, where people have said, oh, look, we're having another tube driver strike. What for? The only people who get hurt? Us. Us. She was determined to, to clamp down on things like that. Arthur Scargill, you know, a complete waste of space. You know, what the, what some of the papers have done this morning is they've actually gone back over things that happened, like, 20 years ago. You know, 20, 30 years ago. And you think, you can't keep rehashing it. Goodness sake, you know, you, you, I mean, e- even in the mirror today, they've actually got quotes from dead politicians. Quotes from dead... That's how desperate they are in the mirror, who, who sort of say a nation divided... Uh, the Metro have just got a picture on the front. As you know, Duncan's been through these. I'll go through them again for you later on today, later on this morning. And it's very interesting because they've done its blanket coverage. All right, so it upsets a few people. Nobody gives us stuff anymore. Nobody cares. There's people down in Brixton. I mean, I have to be honest. I mean, looking at the way some people rearrange things, it is disrespectful. But there again, nobody gives us stuff about these people. Nobody cares about them at all. She died at 1128 uh, of a stroke, she was reading. Uh, the funeral will be like Diana's. I think the Mirror have said, oh, it's going to cost £8 million. So, of course, that'll get all the lefties going. They'll be going, oh, and all, all the right-wing people are going, oh, it's a tragic day. You know, Cameron comes back from holiday. Blanket cover. You'll always remember where you were when you heard of the death of Margaret Thatcher. To be honest with you, I wasn't at all surprised when the, when the news came through. She was 87. She was extremely frail. Extremely frail. So, she's now, uh, she's now found her peace. She can now be with Dennis. Dennis was the man that was there by her side. In fact, it was, it was almost like royalty. I did smile somewhat when there was a, a quote from Buckingham Palace saying the Queen is extreme. I didn't think the Queen and Margaret Thatcher got on at all. I thought it was well known that sort of Margaret Thatcher thought that she was equal to the Queen and sort of tried to do it as best she could, but it just didn't, didn't kind of work, did it? And then you look at what George Galloway has said, you know, may Thatcher burn in hellfire. He's an attention seeker. This is the man who crawled on his hands and knees being a pussycat to rule Alenska. You know, I mean, to be honest with you, the man's a buffoon. It's not his fault. 
Not his fault. He's just an attention seeker. You can probably find a load of them. There'll probably be some pitching up today on LBC, I shouldn't wonder. I'll run through later on exactly uh, who's going to be pitching up. Because it's going to be... I mean, I, I don't want it to become, you know, non-stop Margaret Thatcher, non-stop Margaret Thatcher. Because for many people, they go, well, that's instant switch off for me. I wasn't remotely interested in Margaret Thatcher. You don't have to be a conservative to admire what she did. She took us into war with the Falklands. You know, she was there for... For lots and lots of people. All right, so there were people there that, no, you know, didn't benefit from Margaret Thatcher. But, I mean, she was the first and only... I can't see another female Prime Minister. Can you see anybody? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I mean, she did leave Britain to victory in the Falklands War. She was dubbed the Iron Lady. I think it was a Russian journalist who called her the Iron Lady. She quite liked that tag. She smashed the power of the trade unions by facing down the national miners' strike led by... Arthur Scargill. He's got, I don't know if there's been any quotes from Arthur Scargill. There's been any, I haven't heard any quotes up until now. He's just been kicked out of his flat by the miners' union, the very union that he uh, strove to, uh, to represent all the time. She had a very close relationship with Reagan. In fact, at one point, I mean, I really thought they could have been an item. I know it sounds a bit daft, but when, when she got off the aircraft, I remember she get, gets off this helicopter and he puts his, his arm on the back. It's almost like touching the Queen. You're not supposed to do things like that. Very, very interesting. Very, very interesting. I mean, she did transform Britain's economy. You know, there was the privatisation of, of the phone, the utilities, uh, the ailing steel industry. You know, there were things like that she did. And also five million council house tenants, you might be one of them, were actually given the right to buy your own home. That's what she gave people. I know that they've been to Argentina and they found people who don't like it. You can find people, you can probably go out in the street and say, you know, what do you think of God. And people would say exactly the same thing, you know, a bit Marmite. They called her Marmite, didn't they? You either love her or hate her. Either way, in Liverpool, the flags don't fly at half-mast, but they managed to dredge up Degsy, who was Derek Hatton, another champagne socialist who loved the old flash suits, loved appearing on on uh, television programmes, so, you know, as, as a celebrity or otherwise. And he's still around. I was quite surprised to see him being interviewed the other day. He'd be quite a good guest to get for Nick Ferrari, actually, later on. In fact, actually, I have a feeling I've just preempted myself. He is with Nick Ferrari this morning. Um, she, she was good for her one-liners. The lady's not for turning. Steve Nallon made a career out of impersonating Margaret Thatcher. But, of course, she was lampooned by Spitting Image and the alternative comedy The Young Ones, Scouser Alexi Sale and write-on comic Ben Elton. It was all good stuff, wasn't it? But then you're bound to find loads of people who, who don't like her. They've got George Galloway, Tramp the Dirt Down. You know, pathetic little old man. He's well past his sell-by. Ken Livingstone branded her policies fundamentally wrong and said she was to blame for every real problem facing Britain. Talk about making a mountain out of a molehill. I mean, dear God, Ken, also you don't let go. You're like a little Rottweiler, aren't you? You know, you just have to accept the fact you're never going to be mayor again. You've got to live with it. You can't do anything about it. Um, she was beside Reagan's coffin in 2004. She met Robert Mugabe. Didn't like him at all. Uh, George Bush Sr., Nelson Mandela, who came over here, I think, in 19... Was it 89, 1990? But, um, of course, the big thing, as far as I was concerned, was that she came to power the year I joined LBC. Doesn't actually make any difference to anything, I have to tell you. But uh, that was how long. And she was in for, what, 11 years? 11 years. And it, it was almost as if, you know, as, as, as somebody said of Labour, to lose the election once, a little bit careless. Twice, mm, not so good. To lose it three times, buffoons. Buffoons. Quite clearly, the country voted. And the country wanted Margaret Thatcher. I think women voted for her. All right, there'll be a few miners' wives who don't, and you can always find those people. We could probably find people this morning who hated, hated her guts. But it doesn't matter. 
It doesn't matter. She was the most powerful person and she reigned for 11 years, whether it was the rod of iron and she kept all the women out of the cabinet. But I've, I've looked at the women who surround modern day leaders and I can only describe them as modern day leaders because I don't think anybody is as passionate as she was about everything. She was able to survive on four hours sleep a night. She, uh, she went round the world. She was able to mix. When you consider what humble beginnings she came up, she was working class stock. The shop is still there. It's got a, got a little plaque on it. It's a, it's a health food shop, I think, now. She'd be probably quite thrilled at that in Grantham, where uh, the flags were flying at half-mast, but over in Liverpool there was nothing. But there again, you expect that, don't you? You expect that in Liverpool. That would be the kind of thing, but it doesn't make any difference. Uh, we have no text this morning. Better tell you that now, so it means that we won't be doing our gadget giveaway till a bit later on. We think it's going to be up and running by... Five. So I'll, as soon as it comes back in, I shall let you know. Uh, plus, we've got other stories today in the newspapers. There are other things happening in the world. If things change down in Brixton, which I suspect they won't, because it's now past everybody's beddy time, so presumably they'll all have had the KFC, and now they want to go home to bed and sleep it off, which is very nice. But you can um, follow me at Steve Allen Show, or you can send an email, steve at LBC. .co.uk. So that's all these things. But the papers, I mean, the, the, the Sun have got a 24-page pullout. Uh, the Express, I've got a unique pullout. The Telegraph, I've got pages and pages and pages and pages. Uh, the Times, a special edition, pages and pages. The Independent, exactly the same. Comments from uh, Andreas Whittam-Smith, Douglas Hurd, Shirley Williams. And the woman who saved Britain is the front page of the Daily Mail. Even on the Metro, being powerful... It's like being a lady. If you have to tell people you are, you aren't. I mean, she came up with some grit. Their ladies, not for turning. I mean, she knew how to do the rallying cry. The party faithful were there. I was speaking to somebody earlier on who went down to take pictures outside her house because uh, there were lots of journalists out there and they ended up putting up barriers and everything else. He said there were a lot of Tory boys walking past. He said putting flowers down. Because she was 87. You know, she was, for many people, an inspiration. Not for everybody, but there again... Not everybody's popular, are they? You can't be, you know. I would be Lord above, I should imagine, if I was as popular as I thought I was probably going to be. But, you know, you get some people who like you, some people who don't like you. Frankly, I couldn't give a stuff either way. It doesn't make any difference to me. I'm not going to change my life. And I shouldn't imagine Margaret Thatcher bothers about it. It was her daughter, Carol, who used to have a show at LBC years ago. In fact, when I joined, we were in Gough Square, as you know, off Fleet Street. And that's where Carol used to ride her bicycle from Downing Street and come up, chain it to the railings... Not that anybody ever walked through there, apart from drunk printers. And uh, we were talking about that yesterday, actually, talking about the uh, the printers who, after the sun, moved themselves to Wapping. It, it confused the printers quite quickly, mainly because they were drunk all of the time and used to urinate in Gough Square. That was all they did, because the bars were open quite late. But Carol came in, and she just chained a bike up, came in, came downstairs, did her programme, and then cycled back to Downing Street. That's what she did. Her producer, Mal Redding, told me at one time, he said, uh, he said I, I went back for tea at 10 Downing Street, he said, and there's a flat at the top, and Margaret Thatcher made tea. You know, quite a thing, quite a thing. And then, of course, when we had Mark Thatcher in, if ever there was sort of a man up his own rear end, that would have to be Mark Thatcher. We had armed police in, they swept the square... We had marksmen. For Mark Thatcher, the bloke who couldn't even find his way out of a desert, a buffoon of the first order, I'm afraid, a complete idiot. You know, Carol Thatcher was always the one who was very down-to-earth. You wouldn't find anybody who was more down-to-earth than Carol Thatcher. I remember sitting there with her one evening, I was reading the news, and Melvin Bragg came in, and Carol leant over and said, Mummy said, would you like to come for dinner? 
And I thought, it was just such a matter-of-fact thing. I sadly never got invited for dinner at number 10 Downing Street. So that puts me in my place. Quarter past four. Morning, Nick Ferrari. After the news at seven, he will continue to react to the news of Margaret Thatcher's death. And we'll be talking to her official biographer about what her legacy was. Plus, he'll be asking, is Cameron right? Did she save Britain? All that in a full review of the day's newspapers. Uh, looking at them today, Vincent Moss, political editor of the Sunday Mirror. They're going to be talking about Margaret Thatcher's image, her beliefs, which were, I suppose, extreme at times. They've got lots of uh, people on. There was a man who pitched up on Channel 4, and I can't remember, Lord somebody, I can't remember who he was yesterday. And Jon Snow said to him, you know, when did you last see Margaret Thatcher? He said, I saw her yesterday. He saw her yesterday, he said, but I, d- I don't want to talk about it, it's a private thing. And so quite clearly her friends rally around, and um, and they kind of... They kind of sort of look after her, I suppose, in a way. That's why we couldn't understand why she was at the Ritz, I suppose, because of her association with the Barclay brothers. And, uh, and also, it's a nice... If you're going to die somewhere, die at the Ritz. Good Lord, much better that than somewhere else. Uh, how much did she divide Britain? We're talking to uh, Andrew Pierce, the consultant editor of the Daily Mail. Uh, it, it's interesting, because he, he grew up... I know Andrew will tell you this this morning. He grew up on a council estate... He said, and some of his friends wouldn't even speak to him when he said he was voting Thatcher. They accused him of betraying his class. Like, you know, if you're... Because now we know there are seven classes in this country. There are seven classes in this country. And so people say, oh, you're betraying your working classes. That means you can only ever vote Labour if you're working class. What a ridiculous stance to hold. I mean, you know, there are more champagne socialists out there than anybody else. They'll talk to Virginia Bottomley, now a baroness, Tory peer and minister, in Thatcher's cabinet. Uh, John Redwood will be here as well. Sarah Richardson, Francis Beckett. Lots of people all pitching up with Nick Ferrari this morning. By the way, the techs appear to be working. The techs appear to be working. I mean, I'm hoping... I mean, if they are, they've done a brilliant job. So, well done, guys. Thank you very much indeed. I don't even know where they repair them from. Are they in Germany or something? Is it one of those things? But I think it's the whole company who've been, uh, been affected. So I was talking to my friend earlier on. And so, but we're still waiting for the green light, but they appear to be coming through. Whether they're filtering through bit by bit, I don't, I don't know. 84850. Uh, Mark Thatcher, Steve, is cut from the same cloth as Prince Andrew. I absolutely would agree with you there. I absolutely would agree. I mean, Mark Thatcher, I mean, that was what amazed us when he came into LBC all those years ago, is that we had to have armed police in there for Mark Thatcher. As if he was somebody important. <laughs> nobody. Nobody. Uh, June says, in Dudley... I remember Liz Taylor's tribute to John Wayne, which was simply John Wayne, American. Can I add the same words? Margaret Thatcher, Englishwoman. Good to know she's with uh, with Dennis. Yes, I mean, she. he was the man, he was the rock. I remember that there was that standard joke, wasn't there, Dennis, who actually uh, came through customs with Margaret Thatcher. And Margaret said, um, I'd, I'd like to declare a litre of whiskey. And the customs man said, well, I've been through your luggage, where is it? And she said, Dennis has drunk it. Because he was known for his uh, his tipples, but he was still there. He was he was he was a good old soul. He was he was permanently tiddled, though I think. But that's what made him the person he was. Uh, somebody said here George Galloway's comment was disgraceful. Well, perhaps they'll say the same about him when he's dead. Only to be honest with you, nobody would actually care about George Galloway. All these people who come out and and decry it doesn't. As I say, it doesn't really matter whether you liked her, whether you didn't like her. The one thing I was always taught was you don't speak ill of the dead. You don't disrespect somebody because they're dead. Whether you liked them or you didn't like them, didn't make any difference. I shouldn't imagine George Galloway ever had much to do with Margaret Thatcher. But if somebody phones him up for a quote, he is rent-a-gob, isn't he? He'll come up with anything. But it doesn't, it doesn't matter. 
It doesn't matter. All you should worry about is if you're British. She was fiercely patriotic. And that, for me, is, is the be-all and end-all. As long as somebody likes the country, we've all got moans about it. It's not perfect by a long stretch. But it's a darn sight better than many other places you can go. You want to go, go and live in Mogadishu. You don't like it over here. Take Abu Hamza with you. You know, take half these blooming people there. So there's loads of these, the critics of Margaret Thatcher. They're all, they're all failed people. People who sort of just moan, moan, moan about things and don't get anywhere. The, the one thing I do want to talk about as well, because it's very... It's very apropos to this programme, is the, the grandmother in Bali. You remember it came... I mean, I don't... We don't normally do things like this. I would, I would sort of do it in passing. This is the, uh, the woman who... Uh, Lindsay Sandiford, 56, who's been, who was sentenced to death. Then it went to appeal, and she's lost the appeal, so they've said she will face the firing squad. I think she's got um, about a month to appeal against uh, this decision. <coughs> the trouble is... Either, if you're, pro- oh, I don't know, I go by people's, you know, the way that people react, people's mannerisms. I look at hand gestures. I look at eye. I look at everything. You know, I'm pretty good at telling if, you know, if somebody's spinning you a yarn. And when she came out of court the other day, she had her head covered in a blanket. And I'm thinking, what's the purpose of that, dear? If you're innocent, you've got the blanket off saying, listen, I've told them I'm innocent. And this, No, she was cowering in the corner like a convicted criminal. I firmly believe she's telling lies, though, because I don't think... If you were really innocent and you'd been found guilty in a court, you're going to be screaming through the bars, I am innocent, I'm telling you, this happened, this was the way it happened. Not hiding your head under a blanket. And then the, she moves the blanket back, thinking they've all gone. Of course, the press are there taking pictures. And then she puts the blanket over her head again. We know what you look like, dear. We know what you look like. We know what your neighbours have said about you, and it's not the most complimentary thing. I mean, I firmly believe you are a drug smuggler. And the court have now found you guilty twice. You know, and if you face the death penalty, I couldn't care less. Unfortunately, if you're caught with drugs in certain countries, you know the penalty. You can't explain it to people. You can only say, like that bloke yesterday, every time I opened up a newspaper, there was the bloke we mentioned on the programme who dialed the, um, the old um, prostitute women on the, uh, the thing and sat there talking to them for hours. And the more you read into the story, the more you realise this man's an idiot. Very kindly, Vodafone, very kindly, have agreed to knock his bill back. So he's had all this pervy chat with all these girls, but he's not paying for most of it, because they've said, all right, we actually could have pulled the plug, so we're going to knock off 60,000 quid. And so, but he will be paying 23,000. I haven't got a job. I thought, well, what, then why, after they cut one of his phones off, did he go out and get another phone and another SIM card and start car- carried on where he left off? The man's an idiot. The more I looked at him, the more I thought, you're a prime candidate for Jeremy Kyle. You know, the programme that seems to applaud these kind of people. I was watching Frankie Boyle. Very ironic. I was watching Frankie Boyle, a, a DVD, and he talks about Thatcher. And it was, it was just strange. I'm thinking, but wait a minute. Thatcher, you know, has just died, and here you are talking about this a few years back. So her, her legacy continues. Uh, the grandmother uh, will face the death penalty, but she probably won't be executed. I don't think they've executed anybody since 2008. It's kind of the threat, isn't it, that it might be your day. I think there's about a hundred and something prisoners on death row. And they have an execute, which, as far as I'm concerned, is just prolonging the agony. If somebody has been found guilty of a crime and, and they've been sentenced to death, don't just leave them, you know, sit, if they've had, say, an appeal and you've been through due process, well, then I think what you have to do, you then have to, you have to sort of go for it. You know, seems harsh, doesn't it? I'm not, I'm not really a huge fan of the death penalty. Sometimes when I think that there are certain things... I mean, if it was a member of my family murdered, I'd be calling for the death penalty, screaming from the top of St Paul's Cathedral. 
But that would just be a gut reaction. That would be the kind of thing that you'd all want. I never understand how people can forgive murderers. I mean, I really can't. But that's just me. I might think differently if I was in a similar situation. But you do look at cases in the paper and you think, do you know, I mean, the moment I heard about the Philpots, I was calling for the death penalty in my own mind. The moment I saw them and the moment I heard their lies and I looked at the fact... All I kept thinking about with with the Philpots, and luckily they don't make much of the papers today, thank God. I hope they rot in hell. If anybody should rot in hell, it should be Mick Philpot, his ghastly wife and their friend. Because all I keep thinking about is six little coffins. I keep thinking about six little kids who don't get the chance to grow up, who don't get the chance to go to school, who don't get the chance to to have Christmases, who don't get the chance to get married and have children. Their life has been taken away from them. Depends whether you believe in rebirth. Depends whether you think they've gone to a better place and they're probably happier away from that ghastly monster. You know, small wonder that Mick Philpott yesterday, they were quoted quoted as saying he's had to be moved to, uh, to a secure cell because he fears for his life. Good! Good. It's a shame that your children didn't have that fear as well, because they wouldn't have stood upstairs while you poured the petrol and set the house on fire. It's a shame that they were in two bedrooms as opposed to one, so you could rescue them and do your big hero bit. It's a shame that they're dead, isn't it? That's the that's the big shame. Um, there is a great piece in the paper today, and it's about time somebody said it, because I've been saying it for ages. And it's not Ali Ross. It was. It must be Ian Highland. I'm a big fan of Ian Highland. I like Ian Highland because he, he generally says what, uh, what I'm saying about television programmes. And in this particular piece that he's written, it's a fairly long, a fairly long diatribe about Peter Andre. And to be honest with you, it's everything that we've said on this programme. It is absolutely everything that we've said on this programme. He has not deviated from anything I've said. It's, it's almost a case of, I was saying to some people the other day in the business, I said, I think they need to drop Peter Andre's show. At the end of this current series, let's, let's put it uh, out to pasture. For the simple reason, it doesn't, it doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't, you know, there is nothing that Pete does in his life that is of any interest. He's still droning on about this lame music career. I think we've all accepted. The other thing which fascinated me yesterday, I was having a chat with some people in the business... And uh, there's a big thing which is uh, built up between Louis, or Lewis, from uh, One Direction, and The Wanted. And uh, very unwisely, Lewis, or L- I think he's called Louis, I can't remember, has started tweeting things about The Wanted. And you think, it's a bit silly of you. And they, in turn, have been, have been sort of saying things about, about Louis as well. Which, you know, to be honest with you, if he's not careful... They're going to really dig some dirt, Louis. I only mention that, you know, to help you out of your predicament. Don't start banding around, I'm cleverer than you, I'm bigger than you, I wouldn't audition for you. We all remember your little audition, Poppet. Okay, we remember you were very sweet, you know, it's very nice, but uh, just because it's going to come back and bite you on the bottom. It is going to come back, and I promise you, it ain't going to be pleasant. And uh, and they're not going to pull any punches. I merely advise you. On that one, it's never wise to get into a into a spat with people who um, who sort of wouldn't hold back on that. I wouldn't ever, ex- having seen the wanted on a few occasions, I can't see there'd be any situation where they would put up with some of the rubbish you've been saying. So my advice to you is, and I, I, I offer it free. I promise you, because I've been in the business a long time. Don't go there, okay, darling. Once they start digging, oh dear Lord above, your life won't be worth living, will it? You'll be skipping through meadows, licking a lollipop, you know, and and your career will be so far behind you, you'll need a pair of binoculars to see it. Still to come, Ian Highland. Can I have a word with you? Who in private? Time now, four thirty. LBC ninety-seven point three. 
LBC 97.3. Call 0845 This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning, Bob in Manchester says, big fan of Maggie. We need more politicians of her type today. Of course, I'm now living up north. And my views aren't as popular as they were back in London in the 80s. He says, rest in peace. As I say, it, it doesn't matter whether you're a fan of her. You weren't a fan of her. She was elected in by the British people. The majority of people voted Margaret Thatcher in. Not once, not twice. It just went on, didn't it? 11 years she had in power. You won't see her like ever again. Somebody might be saying, good. Might be saying, good. But I tell you, she's prompted more coverage than anybody else. She's got about as much coverage in the papers as Princess Diana. The funeral will be next week. Uh, it'll be a private cremation after they've done the ceremony. Because I was when somebody said they're going to be doing the ceremony in St Paul's, I went, well, she's not going to be buried in St Paul's, is she? Though she's going to be buried anyway, it'd be Westminster Abbey. But I don't know if there's a family plot. I'm not sure if they've got uh, a place. But uh, there will be ashes, there will be Mark Thatcher there. And uh, Carol will probably jet back in from some... It'd be interesting if pitches up. I should imagine a lot of her colleagues from Cabinet will be there. Definitely. So here's Ian Highland writing in The Mirror today, saying what we said the other day. He said, I like Peter Andre. I really do. Only last week I was teaching the kids the words to Mysterious Girl in the Car. I'd also love it if he could somehow be reunited with Bubbler Ranks on the next series of The Big Reunion. And it goes without saying that his introduction film and the subsequent ribbing it took from Anton Deck will always be in the top ten of I'm a Celebrity Moment of All Time. Yes, he's all right, is Peter Andre. He's a needy buffoon at times, for sure, but you can tell his heart's in the right place. ITV2 and Peter Andre's management team, though, the closest thing the television industry has to an axis of evil. If you thought The Voice had gone a bit overboard with the dead relatives last Saturday, you should see what they're cooking up over the latest run of Peter Andre, My Life. Because despite their bold claims about private time being more important than ever, they still thought nothing about shoving the TV camera back in his face four weeks after his brother Andrew died of cancer. They may have exploited many aspects of Pete's life in the past, including his ex-wife, his kids, his fans and his (coughs) viral meningitis, but this crossed the line. Whatever happened to a private grief? I mean, would it have hurt to keep the cameras packed away for a few more weeks? Would the National TV Awards red carpet really have suffered if Pete hadn't walked down it? Would his meeting with a terminally ill fan have meant any less to her if she hadn't a camera crew and assorted hangers-on thrust in her face as well? And more importantly, would his team have even run the risk of the beef drying out, waiting for Pete to arrive, if there hadn't been the chance for a few minutes of weepy footage of that impromptu Sunday lunch party for him and his other brothers? The sensible answer to any of these questions would be no. Sadly, the cynical answer would be yes. And cynicism seems to win every time for his team, who clearly believe that if they want his fans to carry on buying into and from brand Andre, nothing could ever be considered off-limits. It's a bizarre way to treat a grieving man and his family, of course. I'm surprised they haven't lasered. Nothing is real unless it's been caught on camera to the inside of his eyelids. And the saddest thing that a small part of Pete must see, it's a bit off. That's perhaps why he felt the need to justify it all with this laughable explanation. You can't just have six months off. You'll lose your job. Ian Highland writes, Pete, mate, you took six years off in the late 90s and you survived just fine. P.S. In the interests of balance, I'm happy to report Pete loves his kids. I could sense he says you were worrying about that. Yeah, we're always keen to point out Pete. Pete loves his kids. He loves his girlfriend. Let's face it, she loves the publicity. Oh, my God, does she love the... She's learned how to pose and everything. From just being an ordinary student, she does it. Mm, mm, mm. She looks like she's wandered off Babe Station. 
poor creature, honestly. But anyway, it's nice, because Pete's so similar, and, and he said, and she has been with me through all of this. Yep, she's been with you, and the film crew, and the camera crew, and the children, and everybody. But it's now got Pete beyond a joke. I don't really want to say it, but, mate, why don't you take six years off? You know, you've made a bit of money. Why don't you just go abroad, go back to your brother's gym in Larnaca, go and do something, for God's sake, but keep off the television, because I've seen everything about your life. I don't want anything... I don't want to know anything else. I think that, as Ian Hyland says, grief is private. Shame on the management company. Shame on ITV2 for actually showing somebody's grief where he's made to talk about his brother's death for the purposes of a television programme, for the purposes of entertainment. And that's all it comes down to. It's an entertainment programme with a bloke who's so deluded he seriously believes that he's got a musical career going. He hasn't. We all said yes. We were having a, for some reason, I don't know, he came up in conversation. We were chatting away to a load of people in the business. And they all said the same. He's nice, but he's slightly dim. And he'll sort of go in for anything. He really believes that the public want this kind of trash, I'm afraid. And, uh, and I don't. Uh, Martin on the M4 says, If you started LBC when Thatcher came to power, you must have been nine years old, as you keep telling us you're 39. Don't start that one. Don't start that one. I was very young. My mother pushed me in in a pram. They shoved a pair of headphones on my head, and my first programme was... And that was it, I'm afraid. (laughs) That'll that'll teach you, living on the M4. Uh, Good to hear you're still here, Steve, after you just disappeared yesterday morning. Uh, we were all disappeared. Oh, yes, I, di- oh, I didn't disappear. It's just that the- I tell you what happened yesterday morning at the end of the program. I didn't get a chance to say goodbye, and I'll tell you for why. Is because Burley, the system that we use for doing things with, uh, crashed and everything went blank. And so they said, uh, just go to this out time, but then you might be back to the other side of it because they weren't too sure. And I kept thinking, no, that's, that's Susan's programme. I don't want to intrude on Susan. I'm sure she'd have to sit down and do a paper review for you and sort of wander through the papers. And so I, I was sort of semi-standby and semi-not. And then we had to go, do you need me? Do you not need me? And they went, no, it's OK now. And so, so I left. But that's, but that's why it was, it was a little bit bizarre. He says, we were all worried that Chucky had come to get you. Whatever people say about Thatcher, at least in those days, we had left-wing and right-wing politics, not three wet centre-ground parties like nowadays. Kevin, the texting milkman. See, it's, it's, I think it's back, the text. I don't want to get too excited. And I don't want to do the gadget giveaway till five, till I get the, uh, the, absolute, the absolute green light. Uh, uh, Matt in Phuket. It is Phuket, isn't it? Phuket. He says, I have to disagree. The death penalty is never acceptable. Harsh punishment, yes, death penalty, no. Well, I mean, you know, mistakes have been made. We know over the death penalty. But I think if there is irrefutable evidence that that person committed that crime, I'm afraid I'm pulling the gallows myself. I don't know how many kids you have to kill, Matt, before you go the death penalty. Perhaps you're for rehab for Mr Philpot. Perhaps they go, oh, go on, he's all right. He was just having a bit of an off day, wasn't he? You know, when he poured the petrol up the stairs. Bit of an off day. You know, and then lied about it on oath, which makes a mockery of anybody standing in court saying, I swear by almighty God to tell the truth, the old truth, and nothing but the truth. Because 95% of them lie through their bloody teeth. Uh, So, Galloway tweets, Thatcher, burn in hell. Well, who wants a politician who's gullible and naive enough to seriously fantasise in that kind of religious mythology, says Mark. I mean, it's, I just don't, I don't know why people bother giving time to George Galloway. It's my fault for mentioning it this morning. I'm so sorry. Um, 84850, steve at uk. Peter Andre is a sad man, deluded into thinking he's some kind of superstar when he's really just a little bit of a vacuum. I think he's in a bit of a vacuum. He's got the girlfriend who's at, who's at uni 
who, as I say, every time you see her out with it, she's loving every minute of it. You can tell, you know, she certainly ain't just playing Peter Andre's girlfriend. Let me tell you that for a fact. You can spot that one a mile off. She's loving every second of it. Every second. Saturday's Babe, out of rehab this week, Frankie Sanford, and soccer ace Wayne Bridge. At a tie the knot. Oh, lovely. I've been dating for two years. God, I'm so bored with them already. I suppose you've got to come up with something, love, to try and keep the publicity going. It can't be easy, can it? Uh, three hours, says Ali Ross, into the new series. Somebody finally cracked and mentioned the L word. Last year, said Judge Danny O'Donoghue, plucking her name almost out of thin air, Tom did something amazing with Leanne Mitchell. And nobody saw it coming. This is the voice, I'm afraid. I mean, Danny. Danny O'Donoghue. I mean, who is he? He's in a group, apparently, but uh, they brought him back to one of the world's most boring programmes on television. Um, Loose Woman's interview of the week, Andrea McLean. Your wife, she's a woman. Emmerdale's Tony Audenshaw. Yes. Not bright, is she? But there again, you know, you take somebody off the weather and uh, you stretch them, I'm afraid, a little bit. And God knows, she has been stretched. She has been stretched. Uh, There's uh, an abattoir been shut. It's been linked to horse meat, which is not so good, I'm afraid. And there were some pictures in the paper of Declan Donnelly's new girlfriend. This is uh, Ashley Robertson. Do you know, to be honest with you, then you see her hair scraped back and she's wearing her underwear. She looks like something's walked out of Croydon. I don't want to be rude about it, but by God, I mean, you know, you, you don't want your girlfriend parading around like that, do you? He's not into that kind of thing. He's really not. I think he likes the idea. I think secretly underneath, you know, he's... Helen Flanagan, not all there in the upstairs department. As they say, the lights are on, but nobody's home. The lift does not reach the top floor. She's a number of sandwiches short of a picnic. She's not the full shilling. And she says here, Manchester's very glam, tan heels and we don't wear coats. No, only tramps, dear, go out with no coats on. It's all fur coat and no knickers, isn't it? Worst-dressed worst celebrities, Chelsea Healy. God, she's not still going, is she? Uh, Jenny McAlpine, Brooke Vincent, the Gallagher brothers. We've never seen anybody dress so badly as the poor old Gallagher brothers. Um, best-dressed celebrities, Samia Garda. Well, she just had her new boobs done, hasn't she? So I suppose that makes her best-dressed now. Uh, Gary Barlow, Yorgi Porter. No, she, who's she? Yorgi Porter. Oh, she does. Oh, from Hollyoaks. Oh, God, honestly. Pfft. Still don't know who she is. Nick Grimshaw. Best dressed celebrities. Bit gay, isn't it? I think. Some of the outfits. Is, looks like Rupert the Bear, I'm afraid. I liked Rupert the Bear. Uh, Michelle Keegan. That's best dressed, is it? What, tracksuit bottoms? Perhaps that's class for Manchester. Shamely, actually, uh, poor old Helen Flanagan. Don't even get a look in, love, do you? But there again, you're a simpleton, and that's why you don't. I love the idea. There's um, <laughs> a city street here. To be honest, it looks like a major council estate, and there's a Lamborghini that's gone up in flames. People say to me, why don't you buy a Lamborghini? I said, they're always breaking down. I keep saying that. I remember JK had one uh, ages ago, their little... I don't know where he's gone to, the little singer, the little midget singer bloke. And uh, he used to lose his temper. Little people lose their temper, I've discovered. I don't know why. Why are little, t- little people a bit more, sort of, fiery? You know, it's, it's not good, is it? Um, what's this one here? I was trying to find something... Um, oh, this, this is a, a traffic warden. They um, they found his notebook, and it's revealed the torment of abuse hurled at him in one morning. Apparently, everybody caught... You know, if you're a traffic warden, people abuse you. Admittedly, some traffic wardens are not the brightest pennies in the box. You know, I don't think, we, I don't think we'd be telling fibs if we said something like that. Uh, and so they do get abused, but some people... They only give you a ticket if you've broken the law. You only get flashed at by a speed camera if you're going too fast. It's called common sense. So if you park somewhere and you, you put on your little 
winker lights, and then you run off to the cash machine, you're going to get a ticket. It's as simple as that. To be honest with you, I wouldn't even bother having traffic wardens on the street. Put in some more CCTV, you have an operator sitting there, somebody pulls into the side of the road, they put their winker lights on, and you do the close-up number plate, and you just send them a £50 thing in the post. If I see another cyclist on the pavement, I'm going to push them off. I swear to God, I'm going to get a walking stick and jam it between the spokes on their bicycle. These people are a bloody menace round here. There was a woman the other day. I did shout abuse. I'm ever so sorry. It's not like me at all. Get off the pavement, I said. Sadly, I don't think she, uh, she heard me because I didn't actually speak the words. I shouted them in my, own, in my own head. But it's very annoying. You're standing there and they ring their bell. I, of course, stand my ground. I'm not going anywhere. Not going anywhere. Uh, we think... We think that the maintenance has been completed. We're currently seeing a backlog of SMS messages into the consoles. Adele, this is so exciting. I mean, really, we've never been so excited for ages. Isn't it? All of a sudden, we've got a backlog. I've never had a backlog in ages. I took some cream for it at one time, but, I mean, that was, you know, that was something completely different. But uh, we're very thrilled. So, so once the backlog is cleared... We will be able to tell. Although some of them look fairly, fairly recent to me. But uh, Adele, I'm in your hands. Well, not necessarily, you know. Maybe somebody else's hands. Uh, 84850. Steve, innocent people who have suffered the death penalty were sentenced due to irrefutable evidence. Well, how many are there? Answer, there's not that many. There's not that many. But I suppose one could be considered as, as too many, couldn't it? Margaret Thatcher in uh, Metro today. In fact, in uh, every single paper, there's a, a book of condolence in Grantham, and people are signing it. People are signing it. But, but what's interesting is uh, news providers slipped up in the frenzy to report uh, Baroness Thatcher's dead, death. The BBC raised eyebrows when it posted a headline on its website reading, Live, Baroness Thatcher dies. It compounded the error by following the headline with the explanation, Reaction, as former UK Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher dies following a strike. Doesn't make any sense, does it, really? But that's the BBC for you. Lots of people, no action, I'm afraid. Quarter to five. LBC 97.3. Call 08456060973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning, 14 minutes to five. So those key moments, Margaret Roberts, as was, born 1925. Do you know, it was just, I think, literally around the corner. It was, it was I mean, just weeks before the 10th anniversary of the death of, of Dennis. I think it was. I think it was weeks. I mean, she she described uh, him as the golden thread in her life. They'd been married for more than fifty years. Uh, she often admitted she couldn't actually do the job properly without the unstinting support of her marvelous husband. She first stood for Parliament. Sorry, June two thousand three was that. So she first stood for Parliament in the nineteen fifties uh, election. She married Dennis Thatcher in fifty one. I think he was divorced. I seem to remember he was a very successful businessman. You'd never have known it just by looking at him. He appeared to be a shuffling wreck most of the time. Uh, she was elected as Conservative MP for Finchley in 1959. It was Ted Heath who gave her the job as Education Secretary in 1970. Five years later, she defeated him in a, in a Tory leadership contest. She became the first female Prime Minister after the Conservative election victory in 79. And that was when people were aware of her. I can, I can remember almost vividly in my mind her arriving in Downing Street. She took control of the Falklands in 1982. I was working at LBC all the way... Well, of course I was. I joined in 79, so I was doing that all the way through. We had our, our reporter out there. We had... Uh, in fact, strangely enough, somebody who's, who's pitched up at LBC since then, Scarlett Maguire, was so instrumental 
in our coverage of the of the Falklands. It was it was quite a time actually for LBC. It was it, it, we didn't think about it as a ratings winner. It was just the fact that we did cover the Falklands War, everything that was going on, and it it rocketed the audience. It absolutely did because it was the only thing that we could. We had Kim Sabido out there. I do remember Kim Sabido who, um, something happened to him afterwards. I can't remember what it was, actually. It was either shell shock or something like that. But uh, he, he came back a different person. But he was out there, and he was, he was the stalwart for LBC during the Falklands conflict, and it was covered on all the programmes. It, uh, it was quite a day, quite a, quite a time. Uh, she then won the uh, election victory in 1983. Uh, she fought a, a year-long battle with the mining unions in 84 and 85, and I think firmly put them in their place. I mean, the trouble is, it was, you know, she was hell-bent on one thing, the unions were hell-bent on another. She then survived the IRA bombing of the Brighton Hotel. I mean, frank- frankly, the, the dust had not moved. The dust had, had not moved, and she was there crawling about the rubble. I think five people died, and we all remember the Grand Hotel down in Brighton. She survived it. It was an IRA bomb. She then won her third general election victory in 87, and she resigned after facing the leadership challenge in 1990. Stood down as an MP two years later and was awarded a peerage. She then went around the world, almost very similar to Tony Blair. He goes around the world, you know, making as much money as he can. That's what he does now, you know. Might have been a a Labour Prime Minister, but believe you me, he is as interested in lining his pockets as the next person. You know, that's what they do. They go on the American talk circuit where they can earn up to a quarter of a million pounds a time for talking to business leaders. That's how it works. It's, you know, that's how they make their money. But, of course, she had money. I don't think money motivated her. She, she always reminds me a little bit, I mean, it's not quite the same, of Daniel Radcliffe, who's got a fortune of £50 million, probably now more than £50 million. And so he doesn't need to do jobs for money. He doesn't need to worry about it. He's got the money. He can afford to do what he wants to do. Margaret Thatcher's love was politics. There was nothing that she she liked more than politics. The family, I think, came really second. Politics was the, was the big thing for her. I think she loved a challenge. In fact, she loved people in the Cabinet who argued with her. She liked the challenge of an argument. But as I say, sadly, only came in... I, I tweeted yesterday, I thought she came into LBC twice, but I have a feeling it was only once, and that was when we were in Hammersmith. And I remember Pete Murray saying... Uh, would you like to come on my show? And uh, and she sort of smiled sweetly, because she'd been a regular on Pete's show when he was on the BBC some years before. But she came in, but she commanded a presence. She commanded a presence. She was one of those people, whether she power-dressed or whatever it was, there was something about her that drew you to her. Whether you, as I say, whether you liked her or whether you didn't like her, it doesn't, it doesn't make any difference. She was a woman... And she made it as... I know the, the debate over... Well, she wasn't really a woman. Of course she was a woman. It was a stupid... But she did have more spherical objects than most of the people in the Cabinet at the time and most other politicians. That's why people didn't like her. Because she was more blokey than they were. And they didn't like that. You get some people a little bit misogynistic. And they didn't like the idea that uh, that she was so powerful. You know, she'd have a few hours sleep, she'd be up. I mean, I would often wonder whether she went to bed in rollers or not. Because every time she got up, it didn't matter what time it was, she seemed to look immaculate. She seemed to manage to have it off to a to an art. Actually, talking of that, I was watching the one show yesterday. It really doesn't get any better, I'm afraid. They've now decided to put that dreadfully awful presenter on, Jake Humphrey. I don't know who on earth in their right mind ever thought you can move from children's BBC to presenting grown-up programmes. They must be off their trolleys or something. He was bad enough on motor racing, where, where it was drip television time. If ever there was anything boring, it was motor racing. Blurred adverts, ladies and gentlemen. And so then they pitched him up on a quiz show, and he was hopeless at that. Hopeless. When you watch masters like Bob Monkhouse and 
And, uh, God, I can think of tons of people, Bob Monkhouse and people like that, who were very good at doing quiz shows. Then you watch Jake Humphrey. You can't if you lose the will to live, don't you? I was seriously contemplating joining Exit. And then he pitched up on the one show, and he's even worse at interviewing than I ever imagined. They had Joan Collins on there. And, of course, Joan, who looks glamorous in the extreme. I mean, it's almost a bit embarrassing when you think she's, she's pushing the 80. Pushing the 80. And she just, she just looked amazing. But he was hopeless. I mean, really, really, I thought Matt Baker was bad. What is it about these people they take from children's television on the BBC? Perhaps they can't find anybody. Perhaps they really can't. And then I sort of flipped over and watched University Challenge. Well, that was good. There was a college in, where was it? Was it Bogner or something like that? Which did better over King's Cambridge. Who was so dumb, I can't even imagine how they ever got to the, uh, the panel stage. Uh, 84850... I do find George Galloway entertaining, but he's nothing more than a sideshow in the world of politics. Oh, he's an idiot. He's a buffoon. He's a, he's a thing to point fun, you know, fun at, I'm afraid. Uh, 84850. John says, thank you for commenting on Ken's rant. He couldn't beat her in a debate when the Baroness was alive. That's why he jumps at the chance of her party. Of course he does. He jumps on every opportunity. But uh, truth be known, he's never going to be voted in as London mayor again. And that's the thing he misses. He misses the power. She had the power. You know, she had. It'll be interesting hearing this week what David Mellor says about it. Actually, it'll be interesting to hear what Call Clegg says on Thursday. That'll be more interesting. They recall Parliament for tomorrow. Peter Andre Steve should stick to running his coffee shop. God, I don't even think he's clever at doing that. The trouble is, he's he's so he's so simple. He's off he's off with the fairies. I'm afraid most of the time, he really is. Um, Morrissey yesterday launched a scathing attack on Margaret Thatcher, branding her a barbaric anti-feminist who hated the English poor. Oh dear, honestly. Nothing worse than a has-been singer, is there, when they all jump... They all jump on the bandwagon. As I say, it doesn't matter. Nobody really cares. I shouldn't imagine Margaret Thatcher's remotely bothered by this. All the people will, will come out and talk about it. Peter Mandelson will come out and chat. Everybody will sort of be there saying their piece for her. Some were scared of her, some weren't scared of her. But, you know, when you get somebody like Morrissey... Morrissey who, dear? Who are you? Who are you, love? I don't know. I don't know. But uh, let's face it, the Iron Lady's legacy does remain strong. I think it's so many walks of our everyday life, whether you, whether you like it or not. I just love the picture of her and Reagan. They look so comfortable together. Whereas Nancy Reagan, that's the wife as opposed to the son, incidentally, uh, who became a ballet dancer. <laughs> and, and when he said, I'm, I'm going to see Camp David, uh, this, this wasn't David who was gay or anything like that. It is actually a place called Camp David. You shouldn't worry, worry about things like that. But the Falkland Islanders have spoken of the passing of Margaret Thatcher, described by one resident as our Winston Churchill. They've got flags at half-mast. And, um, and she will be missed by people because she was strong. As I say, whether you like her or you don't like her, I, I know, I'm not bothered either way. I'm not fussed either way. I can just tell you what the legacy was, OK? Nobody is going to love everybody. Nobody's going to be loved universally. As fast as she had people who loved her, you know, there'll be those people who didn't like her. The minors who will probably never forgive her. You know, certain people who are sort of dragging the same old thing time and time again. You know, if in doubt, go and ask Derek Hatton. Go and ask, you know, other people. Strangely, I should imagine it's probably some Labour prime ministers who are sort of more in admiration of her now because they can see exactly what she... She got out there and did it. She seemed to have boundless energy. I don't know why. I would like to see Phil Pot Steve spend the rest of his sorry life living under a harsh American-style super max condition, a living nightmare. I'd like him to be executed, I'm afraid. I'm sorry about that. I'm just... All I think about, you know, in the case of him, is those, uh, is those children. Um, Carol Vorderman says she's often asked about her stint to share on stars in their eyes. 
Really, dear? You surprised me. I don't think anybody was asking you that again. But, uh, yes. And uh, Lauren Goodger says she's the most memorable star of the show. She says, I think us originals will always be remembered as it's kind of fading now. I think your career faded some time ago, dear, when you pitched up at Jordan's wedding. I thought by that time most people thought you'd finished. You know, you didn't do anything on the Dancing on Ice because you haven't got any talent in that department. You're foul-mouthed, which we've seen evidence of on the television, and you can't actually do anything. Oh, and your tanning shop's closed. But I know you're opening a bigger one, love. We're just, just waiting for it. It's just gone a little bit little bit long. Uh, and uh, Will I Am, or William, they've all got these poncy names now, is hoping to persuade co-star Brittany to come along and help mentor some contestants. He says, I know she's great at, adv- at advising others. Whitney? Oh, yeah. Brittany, Brittany Spears. Oh. Yeah, she'll be great at mentoring, won't she? Just the kind of thing you need. Some do-lally crackpot from America. That's all we need. It's like bad enough with Will I Am. I didn't realise. I saw him the other day how short he is. My doll Chucky at home is taller. I like that idea. Uh, Ray Liotta is in, a, is in a new film called Place Beyond the Pines. And um, there's a, a camel... Handed as a gift to President François Mitterrand, has been eaten by the family in Mali that he asked to care for it. Oh dear. But uh, anyway, it was it was presented to Mr. Hollande, François Hollande, by the town of Timbuktu in thanks for sending his troops to defeat Islamic rebels. He left it with locals, joking he'd use it as transport. But apparently they've made it into a stew. Dear me. I suppose people do eat camel. I've never, never actually thought about whether we eat camel or not. Lovely picture of the paper today of uh, Ant and Deck uh, morphing into Ronnie and Reggie. No, they look like Ant and Deck with just clothes on. And it's uh, Britain's Got Talent. I mean, to be honest with you, they always go away, don't they, to watch the golf we were told yesterday. Now they're back for Britain's Got Talent and they'll stand there and go, I can't believe it. Whereas you think, of course you can. Stop acting. The acting, I mean, small wonder they don't act anymore. It is terrible, I'm afraid. Uh, her opposition to Europe was Maggie's undoing. Yes, I mean, I, I agree with you. She came back from that. That was, the, that was the death knell, wasn't it? All singing shows are naff. I'm surprised they're still going, says Scott on the A10. Well, it's because they're cheap to make. They're very, very cheap to make. I was watching a rehash of Britain's Got Talent, or as I prefer to call it, Britain's Got No More Talent, I'm afraid, at all. It's run out. And it was a show... They, they, they put them all together. There were diversity on there. There was that dancing, the Sikh, you know, who danced... Uh, that one, which I thought was fabulous. I can't remember what they were called, but they were really good. And then it had Pudsey, the dog, who sort of looked like he was getting a bit too friendly with the owner. But there you go, you know, I can't... I can't you know, some dog turns around and starts pushing you backwards. You kind of worry a little bit, don't you? Next thing, it'll be asking for a pay rise, even though it's made a lot of money. And then it, it up-pitched Susan Boyle. My name's Susan Boyle. What's the dream? I don't know. I want to dance with a broom. And so uh, Susan Boyle was on the show. It was quite interesting watching them. And there was another dance group. There was diversity, and then there were the ones who were more attractive. I didn't... I didn't they go, we're a street group. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Nobody's ever going to make any money in that group. Somebody will have to sell the story. But there is the lead singer, isn't it? The lead dancer. You know, the, the others are all a lot younger. I mean, it's quite nice, but frankly, it bores me senseless. It bores me senseless. It probably makes me a dreadful person. A dreadful person. We think, slowly but surely, we, we, we are getting back with the text messages. 84850, steve at and I will have a, a gadget giveaway very shortly. News at five is next. LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. 
Randolph says, is Peter, if Peter on, uh, sorry, is Peter Andre still doing concerts? How are his record sales doing? And where's his song in the pop charts? Well, he doesn't get played uh, on radio. Because unlike years ago, and I'm, I, I speak actually as somebody who doesn't work in music radio, so I'm, I'm speaking probably off the top of my head. I've got no idea at all. But most radio stations now have what they call a music policy. Years ago... There'd be all sorts of music on a radio station, everything from soul to rhythm and blues to reggae. Love reggae. Uh, to, to just about anything, really. You would have all sorts of things on one station. Then the station started splitting off. So you had an oldies station, you know, a gold station. And you have stations that play particular songs from the 80s and the 90s. And, then, and so everybody's targeted. So really, Peter Andre doesn't kind of fit into anything. There's nowhere where you can put him. You might sort of have him in and he goes, yeah, I've got a record out. But there's no stations. If you remember, it was, it was difficult some years ago. Cliff Richard found he couldn't get played on radio stations because the people who were programming the music didn't really have a place for Cliff Richard. You're not going to... I don't think you're going to hear Cliff Richard anywhere in this building. I'd be very, very surprised. I can't think of any... Oh, apart from, say, gold. I think that would be about the only place. But the rest of the time, they wouldn't. So Peter Andre doesn't kind of... doesn't do it. I'm sure that people buy his stuff, but they probably buy it online. I think Dawn has told us that she's bought stuff online. They had some signed copies and things like that, and so she's bought stuff like that. But that's why he's not in the pop charts. He, he And you wouldn't play him anyway. Peter Andre would be considered a bit naff. I did say to somebody the other day, in fact, they came up with the I didn't come up with the idea. He said what he needs to do is he needs to write a song, decent one, have somebody else record it, get it onto the playlists of places, you know, pretend it's something or whatever it happens to be, get them played, and then at the end, do a television programme going, actually, this is us behind the scenes, this is Peter, not singing on it, but he wrote the song, somebody else has done it, because, you know, Peter Andre's a bit naff, you know. If you remember, when he went to the jungle, he took his guitar, and we all went, oh, God, <sighs> please don't sing again, love, please don't sing again. It was a bit tedious, and it's still a bit tedious. Have you noticed, though, on, on the programme, that on Pete, my life, loves his kids, he never gets his guitar out and plays to them. You know why? He's rubbish. He's rubbish. That's why he never, never plays at all. Six minutes past five. It is good to have your company. I trust you are well. And I hope that you're, uh, you're good. Well, the subject of uh, Mark Thatcher, uh, Bob in Manchester, says the thought has occurred, re-Mark in the arm, please. There may well have been a few people looking to, uh, to get at him. Well, I, d- I can't remember. This is way back. This is back in, this must be 80-something very early 80s. I thought that came along a little bit later, his little little problems, as we call them nowadays. Uh, on the subject of Ashley Roberts, uh, it's Ashley Roberts, the same as Maggie's maiden name, not Robertson. Thank you, Malcolm. I don't really care, actually. I mean, I'm looking at the pictures of her in the paper today in her underwear, and uh, she ain't a looker, put it that way. You know, she needs long hair to make her look reasonably attractive. Apart from that, it's, it's dreadful. Uh, 84850. 20 of us sat in a room auditioning for Beat the Pack. When told all the host was going to be, we all said, who? We were shown a picture and said, who? Who is the host of Beat the Pack? I don't, know, I don't even know what the thing is. Oh, is, is Beat the Pack that, um... I don't know, Sam's going to find out. I don't even know what the, what the thing is. Is that that quiz show on the television hosted by Jake, what's his name? It is. It's dreadful. Pre- he can't, can't present for Toffee. I don't know why they're using him all of a sudden. But then, but then they're, they're, they're still pursuing that uh, that Welsh girl on the one show, aren't they? I don't know why that's that's still there. It doesn't doesn't work at all. The other thing, which is very good, this is uh, Paris Brown, and they're now looking at her tweets. It turns out they were done some time ago. They aren't recent tweets. They're old tweets. This is a girl who was the, the czar for young people, the one who looks like Bungle at a rainbow. I, I can't do a voice. I can only do George. 
<laughs> I don't want to do it now because it ends up sounding like Prince Charles, so there's no point in, no point in depressing yourself this morning over that one, I'm afraid. Uh, 84850, uk, and uh, hopefully we shall have some, some text. I do have a gadget giveaway today, but I don't want to do it until I'm pretty certain that the uh, the texts uh, are working. Patsy says, goodbye, Maggie. Whatever you thought of her policies, she had more spherical things than any of the current lot of completely interchangeable men in suits that we have at the moment. We have nobody that even comes close to her in character and conviction. I bet she wouldn't have allowed the current trend of benefit fraud to continue unchecked. Oh, no, she'd have, she'd have taken it away. But, of course, then people would have jumped on the bandwagon and said, oh, she's anti-the poor, she's anti-this. Whereas at the moment, I'm anti-KFC. And the reason I'm anti-KFC is because you've been eating kidneys. Apparently, it's a fault within the company. So they're having to retrain 8,000 staff at all their restaurants because um, customers have found kidneys in their meals. I mean, I feel physically ill to think that some of you might have actually eaten this stuff. Scientific tests have confirmed they were kidneys not supposed to form part of the meal. Gary McLeod from Glasgow made the find in a meal from the city's Union Street restaurant. He said it was disgusting. My first thought was, it's a brain. I shall never go back. A spokesman for KFC says, it appears kidneys were not removed in the process of preparation. We've spoken to all our restaurant managers, retrained our cooks, and introduced a new online learning programme. But some of them, of course, probably don't speak English, so I should imagine they've got no idea what they're on about. My advice is, why don't you ask them when you go in there? Sorry, are there kidneys in this, or have you managed to sort it out? I bet they look at you blankly. I bet they look at you blankly, as indeed they do in most of these things. Uh, 84850, uk. Um, I'm from the Glasgow area. Ex-forces and a Tory through and through, thanks to Mrs Thatcher. I've had members of my family not speak to me because of my support for her. That's strange. Why would people stop talking to you for things like that? Uh, did you see Off Their Rockers on ITV, a comedy about old-age people on Sunday? load of rubbish. See, I thought... I spoke to somebody yesterday in this building who said they thought it was quite good, but they didn't see it was going to go beyond one one series or one episode. He said, because once you've seen the gag, you've seen it. It's old people behaving badly. One of them asking, so coming out of a store with all these bags laden down, they've shoplifted them, and they get people to help them back to the car. Uh, Dean says, at least Peter Andre has got, uh, his new girlfriend has got brains, not like the brains of a rocking horse, Katie, annoying price. Yes. And Eric in Enfield went on a guided tour of Bermondsey, plus the Shard visit with Diane Burstein. He said, is there anything this lady does not about, know about London? No, there isn't. That's why she's a blue badge guide. That's why she's good. Uh, 84850. The death of Lady Thatcher is linked on the TV news with footage of the Falklands, Brighton, the speeches. Galloway will be marked, if at all, with footage of him pretending to be a cat. Sad, pathetic man. This is, uh, this is George Galloway, who said that we should trample the earth, presumably on her grave, and said she should burn in hellfires. I mean, he's just an attention seeker. You just have to put it down to the fact he's off his trolley and he's fairly ancient now. Morrissey is not a good advert for vegetarianism. He's always so angry and throwing sickies at work. He, he was quite ill, wasn't he? Didn't he cancel a tour a short while ago? Because apparently he became, he became quite ill. To be honest with you, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you any of his songs or anything like that. I just thought he was one of these, you know, trying to make a bit of a mark for himself and didn't, didn't kind of work out. He just looks like a dinosaur now. Uh, Georgia, back in hospital, fighting for her life, they say. This is Georgia Davis, the fattest girl in the country. She's 46 stone, 7 pounds. They managed to get her down, but she's piled it all back on. And uh, they now say she's drifting in and out of, out of consciousness. Well, 
you know, I'm sorry, what more can I tell you? She's in the home, she's very fat, she cannot walk, OK, so her friend brings a Kentucky Fried Chicken. Dumb or what? Dumb or what? Take her salads. Make, make her eat salads. You know, say, if you want Kentucky, dear, you better walk down the stairs by yourself, because we know you're not going to be able to manage it. So that's why, you know, it's not going to happen. Not going to happen, I'm afraid. So here she is, 46 stone, 20 years old. What an embarrassment. We've done all we can do, I'm afraid. There is nothing more that you can, that you can do for her. Absolutely nothing at all. If she wants to eat herself to death, she's going the right way about it. Uh, what else have we got in the papers? Well, apart from every single paper doing a, for want of a better description, tribute to Margaret Thatcher. There's pages and pages. You get, you know, even the mirror I've got on the front page, the woman who divided a nation. So should she really be given a ceremonial funeral like Princess Diana? It won't be like that. It won't be like that. They're just over-egging the pudding for all those people going, oh, it's disgraceful, they're wasting all this money. It won't. It'll be a fairly low-key affair. You know, they say a funeral like Diana's. It'll be next week, I think, and uh, it'll be a cremation elsewhere. I'm assuming... Somebody said to me yesterday it was going to be a cremation. I've yet to, to find out exactly what it is. She died at the uh, the Ritz. I there'll be a blue plaque there, I wonder. But there are lots of pictures of her in the paper, dancing with Reagan, this friendship that she formed. Obama, as well, has uh, added his, his weight... Uh, Lord Bell, Thatcher spokesperson, said she was a, a great person. And uh, and then she went over to America for Reagan's funeral. And that was in, I think, 2004. Rupert Murdoch, a proud legacy of freedom. Uh, he's the son boss. He said she was a great leader who championed freedom. Mind you, you get, you get a different report if you read The Mirror this morning, I have to tell you. At home and abroad, she expanded the boundaries of freedom and sculpted a legacy that spanned generations and cross-party lines. She was no ideologue, but a person of pragmatism, an optimist whose optimism was founded on her faith in the individual. She had that admirable quality, so rare in politicians, a willingness to court unpopularity. As she said, if you just set out to be liked, you'd be prepared to compromise on anything at any time, and you would achieve nothing. And so that's why. That's why. Pictures in the paper today, she died at the Ritz the Tory heroine who ruined communities and lives. Thatcher dies of stroke age 87, but you would expect them to write that. But they've still got pages and pages. A funeral like Diana? Really? Go the mirror? No, it won't be like Diana's. It won't be like that. It won't be. Because people have tweeted already, said, if Thatcher can have the same funeral as Diana, we should give Hitler a go. That's how dumb some people are. Uh, her spokesman said she did not want to fly past. She will get what she wanted. It'll be a, a dignified funeral. She's dead, for goodness sake. You can't, you can't hurt her. There was nothing that, that worried her. Water off a duck's back, I should imagine. But uh, they've dragged them all out. And they say here, Thatcherism was battle rather than debate. It was reform, revolution and change. She ripped the heart out of our nation, says Brian Reed. Alison Phillips, very much iron, very little lady. Well, she didn't have to, Alison. That's why she's more successful than you would ever be. That's why. That's why she was very, very successful. She, you know, she pushed herself to the limit and she, she carried on going. John Redwood said she was the best boss I worked for. David Blunkett, a formidable enemy who fired up politics. And Lord Owen, far more pragmatic than many thought. Lord Tebbit, she changed everything. And, I mean, she made friends. I think she might have made enemies at the same time, but I'd, it certainly didn't out, outweigh the amount of people who stood up for it. That's why she was voted in three times. That's why she did 11 years. 11 years. Not many people can carry that record. Quarter past five. 
LBC 97.3. Call 08456060973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Coming up this morning uh, with Nick Ferrari and the team at breakfast. He'll continue to react to the news of Margaret Thatcher's death and we'll be talking to her official biographer about what her legacy really was. Plus he'll be asking, is Cameron right? Did she save Britain? All that in a full review of the day's newspapers with Vincent Moss, political editor of the Sunday Mirror. I should imagine every presenter in the building must be kicking themselves if they weren't on yesterday, especially if you were on in the breakfast show and then she goes and chooses to die at 11.28. You'd be kicking yourself, thinking, I've now got to listen to a whole day of this before I can get my teeth into it uh, tomorrow. They're going to be finding out whether or not she was good f- for women, excuse me, and, uh, and, and whether or not, you know, she was like... They're going to be talking to Derek Hatton, who famously led the demonstrations against the Tory cuts. I don't know what he's doing now. He used to do PR consultancy. Um, plus... Interestingly enough, uh, Tony Benn, her beliefs were extreme sometimes. Labour MP, he says, uh, I always found that Margaret Thatcher respected opposing views and was willing to debate and change her position. He said, I met Margaret Thatcher on many occasions. She was always keen to give support and friendly advice. And that's from Tony Benn. So there you go. The only man who used to come in the studio and record every interview he ever did. Tony Benn used to come in. Uh, it used to be Anthony Wedgwood Ben, then he was Tony Ben, then he was Tone, and then he was Ben, and then he just buh now, I think, and just kept cutting it back and back. But he'd come in the studio and he'd have a little recorder and he'd put it down so he could never be misquoted on any interviews. I wonder if he still does it today. Um, right, very quickly. There's um, a story in the paper, apart from the, the British Gran who lost her appeal against the death penalty, I think it's highly unlikely that they will carry it out. They've got about 114 people on death row and nobody's been executed since about 2004. But Germany's top Nazi hunter, this is uh, Kurt Schrimm, who has found 50 Auschwitz death camp guards. And all he's done is he's searched through Second World War records. He wants them tried for conspiracy to murder before they die. All of them are now about 90 years old. He says, we owe it to the victims and their families. Many of the accused live in Germany, and prosecutors will receive files this week. I mean, it was about 1.3 million people died in Auschwitz, and uh, just 6,495 people were ever convicted of Nazi crimes. That was mainly due to loopholes and alliances with post-war justice officials. I remember seeing people being interviewed on the television where they said, well, they brought the Jews out and they they gave us their coats. So they're saying, you know, you'll have more need of it than we have. He said, so we just took them and they just shot them. And in Auschwitz, I remember reading a, a book called Babi Yar, and it was about another one of the death camps. But I think if they've managed to find 50... Auschwitz death camp guards, they have to bring them to justice. I really couldn't give a, a forex, I'm afraid, whether they're 90 or not. They have to be tried and they have to be convicted. It's as simple as that. Also in the paper today, there's another, another teenager who stupidly decided to put her party on Twitter. You know, dumb, 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 and here she is. This is uh, Brody, Brody Norman, 16, who arranged for the bash for a few close friends... And, and then she wrote, my house is, and then the foot word, I'm afraid. And so 100 people crashed it, causing £4,000 worth of damage. Her parents, uh, who live in Enderby in Leicestershire, have returned at one o'clock in the morning. Mrs Norman said Brodie couldn't have been more sorry. Nevertheless, she's grounded indefinitely. She added, Twitter is the devil. Well, your daughter should be a bit more intelligent, I'm afraid. It's quite funny, actually. Um... Kevin the Milkman says, I think that Philpot should have full-size pictures of the six children that he killed on his cell walls so they can haunt him until he dies. Oh, I hope he's haunted till he dies. 
It's actually talking of haunting. There is a piece in one of the papers today of somebody who's in a council house and they want moving. They want moving to another house because they've said that the one they're in is haunted. And the council said, it's so ridiculous, no such thing. But this person keeps turning lights on and off. I felt like saying it'll be the kids. The kids do that. They turn lights on and off just to just to wind people up, I think, and then go, oh, we're haunted, we're haunted. And people people like that sort of thing. And I did watch the other day talk about Barking Mad. It was so easy to see through it. It was Sally Morgan. Psychic Sally. He's got the funny voice of a three-year-old, but the arse of a whale, I have to tell you. I've never seen anybody. It's like she was carrying around somebody else's bottom. It was so huge. She comes on stage, she goes, oh... Because what they do, I don't know if you're, you're aware of how the system works. When you go to a Sally Morgan thing, they have a big glass, a big bowl, and you put down the names of people you want to contact. So she just picks it up and reads it. I mean, I don't see how difficult it is. And, um... And uh, she said, oh... So-and-so. Oh, oh, she's here. And this woman stands up. It turns out not to be her. She was eating ice cream. And somebody else stood up and it turned out to be her. It was her mum. She said, oh, she said she's in bed. I can see her now. I thought, of course, she's passed over. She's bound to be in bed. You're not exactly standing doing the shopping. There was so much cold reading going on and so much rubbish. And then she does a little bit with a celebrity everywhere. Although you're hard pushed to discover who the celebrities are. You have to really work at it. One of them was Alison Hammond. And I thought, you don't, you know, so you have Alison Hammond coming around, who's a bit cynical, but everything about Alison Hammond, you can find out on the internet. You can go to Google, type in Alison Hammond, and you could find anything about her and sit there going, your mum passed over, didn't she? Um, she's with me now. You think, no, she's not. It's so stupid. And this, this barking mad woman, I noticed that most of the concerts were looking fairly empty. I think people have suddenly realised that, you know, you might as well phone me up and I'll tell you a reading. I'll tell you about somebody who's passed over to the other side. Um, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, Susan says, I heard Margaret Thatcher's colleagues talking about when the bomb went off. Uh, they were still working. The first thing she did was check on Dennis. She was human. Of course she was human. But, as anybody will tell you, politics first, family second. Family second. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc. There's an online petition to stop her being buried by the state. She's not being buried by the state. There's going to be a funeral, which would be accorded to a, a prime minister of her standing anyway. That would be a standard thing. They've all had those those sort of things. Uh, just that she was the first woman prime minister. An online petition. What do you think that's going to do? Pfft, nothing. We don't want her buried by the state. Oh, goodness sake. Well, it's going to happen anyway, whether you like it or not. They're not actually going to... Um, they're not going to sort of change anything on that front, I'm afraid. Uh, more on the, uh, the argument between the wanted... And uh, poor little Louis from the One Direction, who's decided very unwisely to start a bit of an online row going on. You know, very unwise, Louis. I've, I can only offer the advice again, hoping you're up now and somebody can get between those ears of yours and tell you this is, this is only going to go badly for you, OK? I warn you that now. I have it on very good authority. It's going to go a little bit pear-shaped. Alex from Brockenhurst wants to know what's happening with the hanging basket. Same as everybody's. Doing nothing. I'm not prepared to risk anything at the moment because of the weather. And I'll, I'll tell you what the weather is now, just in case you're a little bit worried about it. Because yesterday, I did, uh, I did hang around hoping that I was going to be interviewing Jane Asher. It turns out I was, I was a week previous, so that didn't go anywhere at all. But the, uh, the weather today, cloudy, rain at times, mostly light, few heavier bursts possible. The wind easing, 7 degrees. It's currently 4. It'll climb to 7. 
Sunset tonight, 1947. Tonight, a cloudy and damp night. Further outbreaks of light rain, minimum 5 centigrade. And tomorrow, dry morning, outbreaks of rain moving in after midday. Wet afternoon. With a, so no point getting the car washed, is there? I do like getting the car washed. I'm now on speaking terms with the people who wash the car. Admittedly, through broken English, it has to be said. Mine, not theirs. Uh, Neil says, uh, Morrissey. Um, <laughs> a well-known song by Morrissey, Gang the DJ. It's about Tony. Is it really? I don't, see, I don't know anything about Morrissey. I, I really, I've got no, no idea at all, I'm afraid. Uh, yesterday's Dickinson's Real Deal. He said, yes, in the background. I've seen that photo, haven't I? Was it on the telly yesterday? Such a tart, honestly. People are so mad now. Uh, and from, uh, from Paul, he says, I don't really do politics. Certainly didn't agree with much of what Maggie did, but she was somebody's mum and grandmother. And to be honest, the last thing her family will be thinking of is her legacy to the nation. You were quite right yesterday, by the way, re Valerie Harper. You had mentioned it, but I've been busy catching up on podcasts with Dad being ill and just heard it. He is recuperating nicely in a care home. Sadly, not the Ritz and NHS funded. And as I type this, you're talking of Peter Andre. Coincidentally, on a well-known internet forum, there is a 38-page thread entitled Peter Andre's Suffering, of which 99% is extremely uncomplimentary, saying exactly what we've all said. Oh, right. Yes, so the trouble is, I said first time round, and you'll agree with me on this one, everybody would agree with me, that if you're suffering, you know, if you lose a member of your family, you don't pitch up with a blooming film crew and start talking about it. You know, you're going to attract the wrong attention. What he needs to... He's a 40-year-old man, for God's sake. You sometimes think you're dealing with a 17-year-old, don't you? But he is 40 years old. Another Hollywood actress left us yesterday, says Paul in Manchesterford. But as you're under 39, you won't remember the Frankie Avalon Beach pictures. You may not remember Annette Funicello, who was only 70, usually played his love interest, and one of the original Mouseketeers on the Disney show. He says, by the way, do you remember Francesca Annis presenting a weekly Disney show in the Disney Time programme every bank holiday, along with Billy Smart Circus? Something else long since gone. Can't you tell I'm reaching my big 40th on Saturday? I wish. I, well, actually, every Easter you would turn on the television there'd be Billy Smart Circus. They would do a circus. On, they haven't done it for ages and ages. I quite miss it. I quite miss it. I always I was wanted to run away and join the circus or a fun fair. If ever George Irving, you know, wants to sell one of his rides, I'll buy it and then I can tour around. All, I, what I want, though, is I want a fold-up dodgem set. And when I say a fold-up dodgem set, I'm so in tune with showmen. A fold-up dodgem set is where you, it comes on a truck, you push a button and it folds out and everything goes and it's all done for you. I want one of those. I want one of those fold-out dodgem. They're about 250,000 quid. Like, perhaps I could have a small one. I don't know. Some people, you know, like small ones. And, uh, and I could have you know, a ten-car thing or something like that. I just fancy having dodgems or something like that. I don't want anything that's a bit scary, because I'd, I'd have to go on it. I did go on this scary ride up at Winter Wonderland, and it was like um, a swinging car, and it was like a roller coaster, but you were swinging, you were suspended. And you think it looks quite safe until you get to the top, and then all of a sudden your feet are dangling in midair, and as you go round the corner, you swing out. Which is quite scary. It was quite a bit of a moment where I thought, I wish I'd put on reinforced underwear. You know, you kind of think about things like this, you know. But uh, there were other kids screaming, so I joined in. I screamed my way round it as well, because I'm quite good at things like that. So uh, thank you very much indeed, Paul, for that, for reminding us of Billy Smart Circus. I do not remember Francesca Annis um, with the Disney show. But so many shows have disappeared off television, haven't they, which were really, really good. I've just bought some Ealing 
Rarities. They brought out a DVD of four Ealing films, which I've never heard of before, under the Rarities series. If you type in on Google, Ealing Studios Rarities, it'll give you the details. Steve Allen's Early Breakfast. It's LBC 97.3. And the time's 5.30. LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. The things we think about, the things we think about. So while everybody yesterday was having tea and lunch at the Ritz, as Margaret Thatcher died at about 11.28, they're saying, she was upstairs, presumably in a suite, and I was saying, I don't remember, and I've been to the Ritz on numerous occasions, I don't see there being a back door, because there's a house that backs directly onto the Ritz at the back. And... I don't know. I thought all their stuff went in the side door, so I'm assuming at 20 past 12 last night, they must have taken her out the side door. I can't think of any other way. The Queen walks in there. There's no sort of... As far as I know, there's no other entrance, because the other side of the Ritz backs onto Green Park. You can't take cars in there. I don't, I don't know how that works. So interesting. Uh, Dane says, listening to this going to bed instead of waking up listening to you in Barbados on the LBC app... There you go. And Jonathan says, do you remember the way Maggie was portrayed on Spitting Image? She wore a suit and was very much in charge of the men in government. It was funny, but must have influenced the country into thinking she was invincible. She did a lot to stop any threat in the Cold War. Yes, she did. I mean, there's, no pe- there's those people who don't like her. You know, and, and yeah, but that doesn't matter. As somebody says here, why don't people respect the dead? She was a frail old lady, says Chris. She was. She was also a very, very powerful woman. Very, very powerful. There'd be a lot of people who would thank Margaret Thatcher for their lifestyle. OK, there'd be people who didn't. She was anti the unions. But then the unions seemed hell-bent on the time and sort of destroying the country. She was fiercely patriotic. You have to applaud somebody who is so patriotic. Somebody who, you know, when she said that famous speech, the lady is not for turning. She did, in fact, turn on a number of occasions, as it was pointed out to her. But she was strong. She must have been. Eleven years this country voted her in. Eleven years. It's as, it's as simple as that. Uh, Gordon Brown, who wanted to give Mrs Thatcher a state funeral. Interesting. The other story, which which is making a lot of the papers, but of course they all get shoved to one side, because you can get to page 25 in the papers, and it's all Margaret Thatcher, is the supermarkets who are now limiting the sales of baby milk because of massive demand in China for foreign-made formula. And this came up yesterday. Asda, Sainsbury's, Tesco, Morrison's are all restricting purchases of two leading powdered milk brands. Uh, one is Aptamil and Cowan Gate, and they're limiting it to two units per customer, so two cartons or boxes or whatever it happens to be. Uh, Danon, which makes the product, said the limit was to stop Brits from bulk buying baby milk for unofficial exports. Oh, in a, oh right, so people buying it and then sending it abroad to China. The firm also announced it's to increase milk production to meet the shortfall. Apparently, foreign-made baby milk has become hugely popular in China after a locally-made type laced with industrial chemicals killed six infants in 2008 and led to another 300,000 falling ill. So people now are coming here and buying it. The other thing was, was I was reading an article, it must have appeared in one of the Sunday papers, on why the Chinese come to this country. And we've reported it on the programme. They're the first ones queuing for the sales. They're the first ones queuing for the sales and to buy all the designer clothes. And they said they, they couldn't understand why they were doing it. I thought, because they're taking it back to copy. That's what they make in China. They make fakes. The country makes fakes. You name a fake. They don't make it in Kazakhstan or Afghanistan or the Falkland Islands. They're making them in China in little factories. They, they discovered something the other day. Was it, in Ch- it was in China, I think, or Vietnam. China. 
and they were making... It was an underground factory. You could have walked over the ground and not known it was there. And what, what was underneath the ground beggared belief. They took cameras in. It's a cigarette-making company underneath the ground, making fake cigarettes, which they sell in car boots. And my advice is because there's a very good chance you're going to become really ill by smoking this stuff, that if you go to a car boot or uh, a garage seller or anything like that and they've got cigarettes on sale, they're fakes. It's as simple as that. I wouldn't even waste your time and money. You're buying fakes. They might look like Benson and Hedges. They might look like this or that. They're fakes. If somebody's selling cigarettes at a car boot, they're fakes. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Underground tunnels at the Ritz, Steve. Well, where do they come up? I know the area really, really, really well. Really well. And I don't believe that you can get somebody out without them popping up into the street. I don't know where else they can go to. Uh, Reese Sally Morgan, says Brian, I saw it yesterday. The funny thing was, when she was book signing, she says, what's your name, love? To a woman, she didn't even know. I know because it's, it's just a joke, isn't it? It's just an entertainment. You know, what's your name, love? Well, d- don't you know? No, she can only speak to the dead. <laughs> Sadly, says Claire in Kent, I don't listen to your show every morning. However, my job of a prisoner lawyer often takes me distance. On those days I'm up early, I thoroughly enjoy the show, and you often make me laugh. As uh, you're st- such a straight talker. Well, they just, somebody just said to me once, Claire, just tell the truth. You know, if you tell the truth every time, I'm quite right this morning about Margaret Thatcher. I don't care what anybody says about her. I'm really not bothered either way. My my politics don't come into it because I'm really not that politically minded. But I've heard some people. I think Ian Dale starts off by saying this is going to be the most difficult show he was ever doing. I, I was like an actor going and said, this is really difficult, this Hamlet malarkey. I tell you, I'm really not going to get through this one. I might make a might make a mistake halfway through. And I thought, it's Margaret Thatcher. She died. You know, I was expecting him to burst into tears. And sort of start with hand, Land of Hope and Glory. Then I thought, no, that'll be Nick Ferrari this morning. We'll be starting with Land of Hope and Glory. However, Claire says, dealing with prisoners, you meet all walks of life. And to be able to work with them, and you have to talk on their level. I often think what you say. Malcolm says, I've sent this text to see if it's working your end. Well, it is. But, I, but the backlog is so much that they're filtering through. They're trying to filter through as many as possible. Uh, 12.20... Margaret Thatcher's body was removed from the Ritz by private ambulance. I could only say... I I thought about this yesterday. I was thinking, are they going to do her hair? Because if there's one thing Margaret Thatcher was famous for, it's the hair. You never saw it ruffled. It always looked the same. It looked as though it was like concrete. Philip Schofield's hair used to be like that. Apparently somebody told me, was it Andy Crane? Andy Crane, when he was at the BBC, used to use a can of hairspray a day or something. And I used to be in total admiration of somebody who could do things like that. Because I used to use Cossack hairspray. Years ago, all right, years ago, Cossack hairspray. And I can, I can, I can remember the smell of it. Remember the smell of it. Um, CJ says the fact that she, Maggie, was so passionate about our beautiful country warrants a princess's funeral. She was so elegant, yet robust. We'll never see her like again. I'm missing her already. Well, you won't. Uh, You won't ever see her like again. You'll never see another female prime minister. I can't think of anybody who would ever qualify. You won't see that again. I'm prepared to put, you know, serious money on it. Serious money. Uh, 84850. John in Harrow sheds no tears for the death of Margaret Thatcher, the same way he didn't mourn the passing of Winston Churchill. Oh, God, well, you were out of step with the country. You know, I, I always respect people's views. Don't have to agree with you, but I always respect people's views. If, you know, if he didn't mourn the death of, of Winston Churchill. I remember coming home. We were living near Huntingdon on an RAF base called Coningsby. I've just remembered what it was called, RAF Coningsby. The other day, the producer would go, oh, I know it's not. 
Off his trolley. And uh, RAF Coningsby. And I remember coming home and my mother was crying in the kitchen. And I went, what's the matter? She went, Churchill's dead. It affected so many people. And I can remember seeing the coverage of Churchill's funeral, the uh, the coffin going up. And I did a, a documentary for LBC on Churchill's house down in Kent. We went down there, me and my producer, David Burge, and we did lots of documentaries on different places. And we did Churchill's house because they were all owned by, I think they were National Trust property. So they sent somebody down and they took us round the house. And that was a great thing. But I can understand why some people wouldn't, wouldn't agree with Churchill. But, I mean, he led people through. And when the king and queen brought him out onto the balcony, that was the biggest cheer at the end of the war, the biggest cheer for, for Winston Churchill. We've been through hell and back, let's face it, in this country. It's not perfect. It's never likely to be perfect. There's always going to be somebody who's going to be upset about it. There's always going to be somebody who doesn't agree with what the government do or the government in waiting. I remember, actually, it was so sorry when Ben Elton's Comedy Act collapsed. It was purely based on, on Tory bashing. So the moment the Labour government got in, his act was, was defunct. So then he had to sort of cross over and become a, you know, a champagne socialist and start writing musicals with Andrew Lloyd Webber and moving into lovedom, which I always thought was quite sweet, actually. <laughs> but, uh, but that's why. You know, you, you don't have to like Margaret Thatcher. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You know, everybody everybody has an opinion on something. But there's no doubt of what she did for the country. Not for everybody. Not for everybody. But she did have a legacy. And the tributes have, uh, have poured in from around the world. And, you know, that's what some people would say. I, I don't wave any particular flag of any political party on this programme. But I'm telling you, by the coverage you read in the newspapers today... People quite clearly thought a lot about her. Quite clearly, she produced a reaction, and every paper has got uh, either sort of, you know, latest pictures of her, 25 pages plus for the Daily Mail, a 12-page pullout. Simon Heffer says it will be an insult to history to deny her the honour of the, of the funeral. There's only been 12 for commoners in 427 years, I think. I mean, people like uh, Nelson... Uh, Wellington, Gladstone, Churchill. And and to be honest with you, she's the only Prime Minister living who had a statue unveiled in the House of Commons. The only... I didn't think it was that good, actually. But she said, I was known as the Iron Lady, but I'm going to... I can't do the voice. No point doing the voice, actually. It sounds ridiculous. But uh, that she was cast in bronze. She said, but now I'm the bronze lady. And she does leave a legacy. She does leave a legacy. She stood up for ordinary Britons, and that's why the left people loathed her. All the left people. And, of course, you'll always find people who loathe her. If you read some of the comments today. And uh, defeat. Somebody said to her once, defeat. She said, I don't recognise the meaning of the word. She was strong. She was very strong. Ask anybody. I mean, the death of, of Dennis, I suppose, was a shattering blow to her as her powers were diminished. And then later in life, she was pictured in a, in a park the other year with her carer. But again, immaculate. Immaculate. Never let herself go. Always, you know, looked looked the part, whether you liked her or you didn't like her. They said a woman couldn't lead, says Mr Cameron the other day. She defied them all. She did. Humble beginnings. And they're now asking, because I, I said earlier on that there was a, the story that the Queen and Margaret Thatcher had a very frosty relationship. The Queen has to, of course, meet the Prime Minister of the day, and Margaret Thatcher had to curtsy. And Baroness Thatcher was invited uh, for the Queen's... Uh, so, sorry, for the, the Queen turned up for Margaret Thatcher's 80th birthday. Will she turn up for the funeral? I suspect she will. 
I suspect she will. It was a very, very strained relationship, but I suspect that the Queen will turn up. There will be the Queen and probably Prince Philip. Uh, there's also... Uh, imagine her as your mother-in-law, says Jonathan Aitken, the woman who saved Britain. Not for everybody. As I say, you know, you're never going to agree with absolutely everything. And in Barnes said a screen was put up down the side of the Ritz Hotel early evening yesterday. That's why. They took her out the side entrance. If you look at the Ritz straight on, there's the front door and then there's a door at the side, which is where the Queen went in a short while ago for a private dinner party. So that's why. It's amazing. Our knowledge of London, ladies and gentlemen, gets better. Um, uh, the RAF station near Huntington is Witton. Coningsby is near Boston. Are you writing this stuff? You're writing this stuff. No, we were RAF Coningsby, I'm sure. Which was near Huntington. I mean, not... not Shut up. Well, uh, we, we weren't in Lincolnshire. You're really getting on my nerves now, the producer, this morning. But some mornings he's, he's sort of tolerable. And I'm telling you, you're not working on the show tomorrow. OK? I've decided. I've made a decision. <laughs> Quarter to six. LBC 97.3. Call 08456060973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen front page of the Express this morning. I know this news came in yesterday, but of course all the all the coverage, the papers were stump. Boston stump. It's a church. There you go. St. Botolph's Church, Boston. Boston stump. It was called. I don't know why it was called Boston stump. I can't remember. But I've got um, video film of me. Video film. It was a cine film, I think. It wasn't. We didn't have video film. Uh, it was cine film. And we, uh, I, I'm pictured going up it, I think. And I think the reason is that the, the tower took so long to build. It resembled a stump. So it was called the Boston Stump. I'm a mine of useless information, I'm afraid, this morning, ladies and gentlemen. A mine. Uh, the Queen has approved this ceremonial funeral for Baroness Thatcher. Uh, she looked frail when she was 87 at uh, her party in October last year. And, of course, we all remember her leaving Downing Street in 1990 with Dennis after being ousted from office by her own Conservative MPs with the tears in her eyes. You know, that was the, that was the picture that went around the world. But the Queen has approved this ceremonial funeral. It will be similar to those of the Queen Mother and Princess Diana. But in accordance with her wishes, she will not lie in state and there will be no military fly past. There will be a service at London's St Paul's Cathedral. Downing Street have said a lot of... Uh, people, a lot of diverse people will be invited, and then there will be, as I correctly told you earlier on, a private cremation. Baroness Thatcher thought a fly pass over the service would be a waste of money, Lord Bell says. That's why some of the papers have said, oh, it's going to cost you £8 million. It won't cost you anything like that at all. In fact, to be honest with you, I should imagine you'd probably find some of the earlier funerals of Nelson cost near as, near as damn it, that. Uh, they say the coffin will be taken through the streets by hearse from Parliament's Chapel of St Mary Undercroft to St Clement Danes, which is the Royal Air Force Church on the Strand. You know that? That's, you can't miss it. It's the one right in the middle of the road. And then it'll be transferred to a gun carriage for the very short journey to St Paul. So she'll go to the REF Church. They'll then have the gun carriage waiting and the coffin will be put on there. So I'm assuming that those people who wish to go to the funeral will be lining Fleet Street. They will be lining Fleet Street because they will bring the car. There'll be, there'll be all sorts of road closures. So you'll have to stay tuned to LBC. We'll, we'll let you know. Uh, she didn't want to lie in state. I mean, in a way, she was she was quite a, a modest person. You know, she wasn't, uh, you know, she didn't sort of pitch up on all these chat shows and everything else. I remember she was taught. I had, um, I've got a tape somewhere at home of Margaret Thatcher being taught how to make people listen. 
And what she would do is she would lower her... So the interviewer had to lean forward to catch what she was saying. And it was a very, very clever trick. And I've got this tape somewhere, God knows where, but a tape of Margaret Farmer, if we could find that one, of her learning how to pitch her voice lower to make people lean in so that they could catch everything she was saying. And it worked a treat. It's like I've, I've seen another celebrity on the... I won't tell you who it is, but it's a celebrity who pitches up on a lot of these chat shows where they have three people who review the papers. And this particular person has a trick of making sure that they get their sixpenneth. And what they do is they put their hand on the person next to them's arm. If they're speaking, on the, so if they're in the middle, and they always make sure they're in the middle, uh, if, if the person on the right is talking, they put their hand on their arm and say, but, and the action of putting their hand on this person's arm, I can't tell you who it is, um, makes them stop talking, so they then get their, their six penneth in. <laughs> so that's how it works. Um, the public will not be allowed to attend the funeral service, but they can line the route and the private cremation. They haven't said... Uh, uh, where it is, but the cortege will be met by a military guard of honour and Chelsea pensioners from the Royal Hospital. So that's what will be happening next week. It's been approved by the Queen, and uh, who are we to disagree? She's a true one-off, Bernard Ingham says. Farewell to the Iron Lady. She earned the respect of the nation. I know not everybody. I'm quite well aware of that. But it does seem the overwhelming coverage in the newspapers is positive. Literally across the board, with the exception of one or two people making comments of a derogatory nature. But she took on the Mighty Miners Union, and she won. A woman. Women, women everywhere should look up to her for what she did. She achieved, from humble beginnings, the top job in the land. Uh, 84850, uk. I've got a spitting image character jug of Maggie with Dennis on the handle with his gin and tonic. The country was much better for Mrs T, says Bibi. Thank you. Uh, Re the funeral for Churchill. The emotional part for me was when the dockers lowered the cranes to bow as the coffin sailed part. Yeah, that was that was the most amazing thing. That was, you know, that made Britain great. I think we. I think we're still great. I think we're still great. You know, to see people celebrating at Margaret Thatcher's death just shows amazing ignorance. It just shows, you know, a sadness. You know, people jumping up and down, opening champagne. How sad and lonely these... And what shallow lives they must have. You can only feel a little bit aggrieved for the fact that, you know, perhaps they do the same, you know, when their own parents die or something like that. Perhaps they're a bit like that. Uh, Kevin says, if Kinnock had got into number 10, Steve, in the mid-1980s, we'd probably now just be a suburb of Europe. <laughs> I'm not... Uh... So I keep looking at this thing about the dockers lowering the cranes. As it went up, all the cranes, one by one... They all were lowered. I mean, you know, in your, in your dreams, you can only hope for things like that. Uh, there is a back entrance, says Chris in Romford. Well, I don't know where it is. I know the Ritz so, so well. And they put screens up at the side. That's the only way in and out. All the food deliveries go in the side. I know, because I've seen them doing it. And there can't be a back entrance. I'll have another look for, uh, later on today, but I'm pretty certain there isn't. Because there's a house that backs onto it, which the Ritz bought. They now now use it. My mum took me to the, the walk past of Churchill's lying in state. A few years later, we moved into this block of flats where Sarah Churchill was a neighbour. Sorry, wouldn't go to Thatcher's funeral on principle. I loathed her. I'm not going to be a, a hypocrite now. No, that's fine, you see. I don't, I don't have any problem with that. I don't have any problem. People, you know, people can have their opinion of somebody, but I'm just telling you that the overwhelming opinion, the overwhelming opinion in the papers is that she was good for the country. 
Lorenzo says, when Blair goes, can we have a national day of celebration? You see, I don't think we should be celebrating these kind of things. You know, this woman was tough. She survived the IRA Brighton bombing, a day she was not meant to see. The Falklands War revived the nation's reputation. You've never seen or never seen so much patriotism in the country. Seriously. I was working on LBC at the time, and the, the feedback from everybody was so positive. We became fiercely proud of what, of what we are, which at the moment is a pretty overcrowded country with a lot of people on benefits. And once we'd sorted that out, I think if she'd been in power, she'd have sorted out the benefit system straight away. Straight away. She would, she'd have sort of sorted out these people. She'd have, she'd have really sorted it out. Uh, eight for eight, five. Oh, the good news is that the... Um, the pregnant girlfriend of the jockey, Ryan Mania, told yesterday how she went from ecstasy to agony when he suffered a serious fall. She says it'll be grand to have him back home. When you got me winnings yesterday, you'd be delighted to know, from the bookies. Yes, for, for coming in third, I, I only put £10 each way. I got £35 back, so I made £15. But as far as I'm concerned... Fifteen pounds is fifteen pounds. Simon Cowell's not gay. I thought I'd mention that. In the same in the same breath as Peter Andre loves his kids, Simon Cowell has said, I'm not gay. He said, I don't mind people thinking I am. He said, I'm just telling you I'm not. Because you remember Louis Walsh sat on the programme once and said, you know, does your mother know you're out, Simon? I was tempted for Simon to say to Louis, does your mother know you're out? That would be far more entertaining, I think. You know, the man who's just had a, another strange thing done to his hair and his teeth redone again and Botox. He looks so much better before when there was some personality in his face, but people do that. I, of course, am not doing that at all. Not doing that at all. I was tempted to have Botox. I seriously was. I seriously thought about it a short while ago. I thought, yeah, can I enhance my looks? And, and I looked at Wayne Rooney's hair transplant and I thought, if I had a spare 30,000, would I waste it? No, I wouldn't. If I'd wanted to look like Arthur Scargill, I'd have bought a box of shredded wheat and stuck it on my head. But sadly, it is not to be. You know, I think you have to grow old gracefully. And I think I'm growing old disgracefully. Here they are, some, we found some more fraudsters. I have warned you before in the past of charity workers. This is uh, people who claimed that they were raking in money for the Marie Curie cancer care, and they weren't. Gordon Coe, Susan Christians and Pauline Hunt. Thieves, ladies and gentlemen. Thieves. They've been jailed for their £26,000. You know, the, one of them, it was mas- masterminded by Gordon Coe, a former pub landlord who tricked the charity in believing he was registered as a fundraiser. Uh, he's an amputee, but he went round thieving off people. You know, I'm totally convinced that come rugby day in Twickenham, there are a number of bogus charity collectors who are collecting on behalf of all sorts of charities, and they just stand there rattling a tin. You can buy a tin on, on eBay, a piece of plastic. You can print something off and go, helping poor poor children in Africa, helping poor children in Africa. And people give you money. You can go around pubs, hello, we'd like, and they can just print some stickers off. I told you years ago, I, I, some friends of mine had a bar in Twickenham. And every Saturday night, we'd be plagued by the girls selling roses. You know the girls who go around the pubs, like to buy a rose for a pound or something. And uh, they would give free roses to the guys on the door, because that got them in. And then if they sold about ten of them, these are roses. They used to sell them by the side of the road. You don't see them so often now. And it was roses that they actually went and did a feature in one of the newspapers on how little they cost. You could buy a dozen roses for less than 50 pence. But they sold them for two or three quid, so they were selling tons of them, and it was a bit of a bit of a sort of a bit of a gangster style operation. But the girls used to come up from Southampton, she told us, in a car with three of them, and they'd have all these roses wrapped in in a bit of cellophane, and they'd go round and sell them. They cost, she said, you know, we, we, we sell about six hundred a night each. 
That shows how many roses are being sold. You want to have a rose for your girlfriend, rose for your girlfriend? And they pretend it goes to charity. These people were pretending it was going to Marie Curie, and so they stole money. They, st- they had fake IDs, collection boxes, they toured pubs and everything. Kim Chapman was jailed for 20 months. That's a picture of uh, her not in the paper today. Pauline Hunt was sentenced to a year. She's an ugly for money laundering. They all come from Southampton. Susan Christians was jailed for 18 months for conspiracy to defraud and money laundering. It was she who admitted the group were evil, and then the B word. Amari Curie spokesman said this type of incident is extremely rare. We shouldn't let one bad apple give legitimate charity collectors a bad name. It's awful when you look at them, because they look quite ordinary people, and yet deep down underneath, they're thieving people. They thieve. They don't care. £26,000. I'm glad they've gone to prison. Rot in hell, as they say. Rot in hell, ladies and gentlemen. There's a bit of decent news, isn't there? Somebody who commits a fraud against a cancer charity. It's like robbing from your own children, isn't it? It's like the Jeremy Kyle show. When I went through stains a short while ago, it did like, like the holding pen for Jeremy Kyle. It really did. But they were sort of holding them there before they sort of moved them into the, uh, into the TV studio. And they're the sort of people, you know, did you steal from your mother? No, when I have a lie detector test. That's how sad it's got, I'm afraid. News at six. Here it comes. LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning, five past six. The mystery seems to have been solved via the side door of the Ritz. It was 30 years ago when I used to deliver in London, says John. I'm sure the Ritz used to have an underground loading bay big enough for a large van. No, the Savoy has. The Savoy has. You can see that one downstairs. That's how they get all their their supplies in. But the Ritz, there is nowhere. On one side, it borders Green Park. On the other side, there is a house. And I'm looking at the van. That they, they, they put screens round a van... And this is, uh, this is at the side of the Ritz. There's no underground loading going on here. This is at the side of the Ritz. They've actually put a green screen up so they can bring her body out. And that's, that looks like the side of the Ritz to me. And it's just a plain, a plain van. It came with a police outrider, so it becomes a little bit different from anything else. Uh, and then presumably the body will be moved. Yes, I was looking... No, it didn't... Uh, no, it was the side of the Ritz that they, they took her out from. That's why. If, it'd be, if there'd been an underground place, they wouldn't have needed to put screens up. Nobody could have got in there, but, uh, but definitely not. On the news last night, John says there was a man who said he was glad Lady Thatcher was dead. He said even though she wasn't everybody's cup of tea, whatever happened to respect and decency? Well, went out, didn't it, a long time ago, I'm afraid. People have no respect. You see people being rude about their own parents on the television now. So there is, there is no respect for anything. You see young people. In fact, I, I watch them on the television every day. You know, the, the, there is no respect. We see, you know, some, some real awful people on the television, I'm afraid. Not uh, not good at all. And that's that's the sort of thing that I think should be clamped down on. Definitely. Uh, 84850. <laughs> now the hearing's going as well, says Paul. I've just spent five minutes wondering what the heck you could do with a fold-out dodgen. <laughs> yes, Alan Dodgen. What could you do with a fold-out Alan Dodgen? Answers on a postcard, I suspect. Uh, one here from Ray. He says, I remember Carol Thatcher phoning her mum at Downing Street for a chat on her late-night phone-in show. Does any recording of that exist? Maggie was brilliant. Um, I don't know. If it did, then it's in the LBC archives. And the trouble is, in those days, we just took it for granted. Carol Thatcher did the phone-in on the Sunday night. I followed her with my weekend night extra programme. And she was always very charming. 
She was always very charming. It's like, as I said at the beginning of the programme, I just sadly didn't, uh, didn't get invited to 10 Downing Street to have a cup of tea or anything like that. But uh, I know that Carol's producer, Mal, did get to go. <laughs> which I remember him coming back saying, we just had tea at number 10 Downing Street. I was a little bit jealous, actually. A little bit jealous. Not for any, any political reason. I just thought it would be quite nice to see the inside of, of Downing Street. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Mark says, the passing of Maggie makes you reflect on just how inept as leaders the current lot of full-time politicos are. Unlike Maggie, most of them have never had a real job. Whilst Maggie's views may have polarised people, she at least held a view. She made clear what it was and set out a timetable for carrying out. Unlike the current lot, who are media-obsessed with the soundbite. Like Blair once said on policy, an eye-catching headline. Cameron, as he said, is the heir to Blair. Not even fit to be in the same building as Maggie. Well, I said at the beginning of the programme, this is not a, not a political platform or in any, in a, any way, shape or form, but you won't see her like again. You really will not. You know, and the, a few sadly misguided people in Brixton, I mean, you can count on one hand now, who've just gone home to bed, uh, were sort of making a bit of a statement, but as somebody pointed out, they weren't even alive when Margaret Thatcher was in power. So it seemed a little bit pointless that they would be protesting about it. But you always find somebody to protest, you know, get people to jump up and down and they'll, 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 they'll do it for you. Very sad, says David, to hear of Margaret Thatcher's demise. Our country would be so different had she not been in power and she really made a difference. Lover or hater, she was not wishy-washy and certainly wouldn't have tolerated the benefit nation we'd become. That's what I said a moment ago, isn't it? Yeah, she certainly wasn't beige. That was a fact. That was not a fact. You listened to her. But as I say, somewhere at home, I've got this tape, but it could be anywhere, of Margaret Thatcher being taught by a speech therapist to pitch her voice lower to make the interview, to get over and I say to you. And of course, the interviewers had to lean in to hear it, because otherwise if she would come back to them if they hadn't listened properly and go, I've just said, have I not? that this is, is the way it was. So that's that's why. Very, very clever. Uh, Jeff in Lewisham says, I overslept yesterday only to wake up to your dulcet tones, and then you were gone. Deeply saddened by the death of Margaret Thatcher. Truly a great leader and a person who will never be forgotten. Um, it is true, actually. It is, I mean, they even had Ronald Reagan seeking nuclear peace with Mikhail Gorbachev. He was on the television last night. Still not mastered English. I'm always somewhat concerned by Mikhail Gorbachev, who never, who never learnt English at all. Uh, Neil, he says, I did meet Maggie once. It was around the late 60s. She opened my junior school fate and I got her autograph, which I still have. I didn't agree with all her policies, but what a leader. Yes, exactly. You didn't have to agree with all her policies. It's as simple as that. You didn't have to. But you couldn't... Uh, oh, that's pretty. Uh, you, you, you can't fail but to be impressed by how powerful she was. As a woman, she'd striven through everything. You know, she didn't care. She wanted to get to the top and she got to the top. Love the picture you've sent me. Now, that is what I call clever breakfast plate. It's a, Neil sent me a photograph of whether he's done it himself or somebody else has done it, and it's a carved up... What is that fruit at the top? Is that kiwi fruit? Thank you. So it's two bananas cut in half, a banana cut in half, and then the kiwi fruit becomes the palm tree, and at the bottom it's all mandarin orange segments to make it look... And it's really effective. I think that's really clever. You haven't pinched that from some chef, have you, or something like that. <laughs> that's how, you know, when I went to my, uh, my dinner party the other night. We didn't, we didn't get a pudding. I do like a pudding when I go to a party. I'm, I'm a bit of a pudding freak. But I uh, got a bit carried away yesterday. But I'm determined to watch... There is bound to be some documentaries today which are going to be running, which will probably be repeats from yesterday of 
uh, of Margaret Thatcher. They'll be looking at her life. They'll be looking at uh, the way she uh, she held herself. Uh, eight for eight five zero. Oh, my sister got third place Oscars time at sixty six to one. No, this was uh, T for three. T for three. Oscar was fourth, I'm afraid. I got third place. So uh, that's why. Uh, It's called Boston Stump because although there were plans to build a steeple, it never happened due to a lack of money and bricks. You can still climb the tower. I did. I'm I'm actually... um, I've got um, video city film of me up on Boston Stump with the family because we were RAF Coningsby. All right. I don't care where it is. I mean, it was near Huntingdon. Listen, an hour, as far as I was concerned, was practically on the doorstep. I was saying to the producer, because he apparently lives up that neck of the woods, so I'm so glad we've moved. Nothing worse than somebody knocking on your door going, Hello, Steve. Oh, God, he's followed me, yeah. Can we come in for a cup of tea? No, you can't. Go away. Call the police. And and Huntingdon, there is a coaching inn in Huntingdon, a very old coaching inn, and there's a room upstairs, and you look through a little spy hole thing in the door, and you can see Dick Turpin's... Hat and cape. That's what they say it is. I mean, I'd buy into anything, me. Buy in, except Sally Morgan. But uh, Dick Turpin's hat and cape. And I remember looking through the door. So I mentioned it to the producer, thinking he knows about things like this. I got a blank look. Nothing at all. I mean, I, I might as well have been talking to the wall for all the good it was doing. Um, John says, I used to use Cossack hairspray. Now I use a polishing cloth. <laughs> I'm not a Tory voter, Steve, but she definitely changed the face of the nation. In many ways, for better, it is impossible to deny. Oh, there is no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Uh, Chris in Romper said there is the back entrance. No, she came out of the side entrance. I could tell you that for a fact. She came out of the side entrance of the Ritz. This is the removal of Margaret Thatcher's body. She's the front of every paper today. The only paper we haven't got a copy of, because I'm dreading seeing what their front-page coverage is, but as it's Richard Desmond, I should imagine he gave instructions immediately that even the Daily Star should carry uh, a picture of Margaret Thatcher. She's on the front of all the papers, some some good pictures, but at the end of the day, she was a mum and a grandmother, and she's got, you know, people, old, her old friends, you saw them on the television yesterday, they rallied to protect her, even in the last days, they weren't giving anything away. Even the probing of Jon Snow, ladies and gentlemen, could not you know, undermine any of the guests to talk about what Margaret was like in the final few hours. And there were a few people who saw her because she died at 11.28. She was reading, and then she had a stroke, and uh, and the rest, as they say, you know. And that, that of course, changes everything, especially for all the newspapers. It gave them... They must have had all these things all ready to run, practically. But because it was 11.28, I bet they were running around like headless frogs yesterday, trying to make sure they got enough stuff in there. The news programmes... Most, most places have actually got obituaries all ready to run. But the funeral will be next week. It's with the Queen's blessing. And the next question is, will the Queen be attending? Will Prince Charles be attending? Which members of the royal family will be going to Margaret Thatcher's funeral? Because it was well known that there was a frostiness between the Queen... Her Majesty, and Margaret Thatcher, who I think also thought she was Her Majesty. 14 minutes past six. LBC 97.3. Call 0845 6060 This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Very funny. 18 minutes past six. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. 84850, Steve at LBC. I must just mention, I don't normally mention things like this, but it, and it doesn't really fit in with the programme this morning, so I, I hold my head up, but it's uh, for a hospice. They have a spring fair in Thaden Boys at the Village uh, Hall this coming Saturday. It's only pound fifty, and children go free, and they're raising money for St Clair's Hospice in Thaden Boys. They've got free tea and biscuits. It's enough to tempt anybody down there, ladies and gentlemen, just to go to Thaden Boys. 
which is very pretty. Very pretty. So good luck to them for that raising some money. Every single one of the papers today, Margaret Thatcher, they've either got pullouts or they've got tributes to her. The, the only paper that uh, appears to be negative, if, if negative is the word, is the mirror. Margaret Thatcher dead at 87. The woman who divided a nation... Should she really be given a ceremonial funeral like Princess Diana? It won't be like Princess Diana's. There will only be bits of it. They'll take her body uh, to the RAF church at the top of Fleet Street. It'll be transferred to a gun carriage. And it will go that very short distance from the top of Fleet Street by the law courts, down Fleet Street, up Ludgate Hill, to St Paul's Cathedral. There will be a service inside. It will not be open to the public. They'll be having dignitaries there. There will be a guard of honour. There will be the Chelsea pensioners. And then the body of uh, Margaret Thatcher will be taken away for a private cremation. And I don't know what happened to Dennis. I don't know if Dennis was buried or scattered. I've got no idea. But I'm sure that as Margaret Thatcher left instructions in her will, she didn't want to fly past. She didn't want the lying in state which she probably could have had. I should imagine she probably could have had that. But uh, she said no. She thought it was a waste of money. In fact, actually, somebody said to me, you know, she was, she was very good at saving money. She was quite frugal. She was quite frugal. Don't get the impression that she sort of wasted money. She really didn't. She had that same battered old handbag for donkeys. Is what was in it. You'd have paid good money to find out, wouldn't you? Uh, one here says, Steve... I'm thankful to Margaret Thatcher. I was able to buy my council home and get onto the housing ladder. I think there were millions of people who bought their council houses, thanks. I know, I know, I quite understand that not everybody thought she was great. But for all those people who bought shares or bought, you know, people were able to move. But there are those people who think that if you're working class, always working class, stay down there in the gutter. Don't bother to try and pull yourself out of it. When you consider, you know, daughter of a greengrocer became the most powerful woman in the country. I mean, she was the most, well, for one of them, I suppose, the most influential political figures of the 20th century. I mean, you know, rejection of, of consensus policies, I suppose, and politics made her a divisive figure in opposition to the policies and her style of government led eventually to rebellion. But her term in office saw thousands of ordinary voters gaining a stake in society. They bought council homes. They also snapped up shares in British Gas and BT. I mean, 11 years she was at number 10. It must have been like a first home to her. First home. Uh, Dawn, thank you very much indeed. She sent me a a lovely picture of uh, Steve Hargrave, who had just been to the Grand Canyon, which is a place right on the edge. Now, you remember I did go to the Grand Canyon some years ago, but sadly we were short for time, and so we landed and then took off again. Never got to actually see it. <laughs> a bit disappointing. Uh, Noreen says, on a light-hearted note, because I guess you're just going to be talking about Margaret Thatcher. No, we've talked about everything this morning. Pro- I mean, to be honest with you, it has it has dominated, but then it would. She made such an influence. He said, watching Dickinson's real deal. Who turned up on screen? Mr Smiley. Neil! I've taken off the, uh, the photos off the television, and Neil may send them to you. Mark and Julie are going to the West Coast of America in May for their wedding anniversary. They say, we know you've been many times. We've added the Mob Museum uh, when they go to Vegas. They're going Los Angeles, San Diego, Las Vegas, Yosemite. Lovely, lovely. Lake Tahoe, San Fran, Monterey, Santa Barbara, and finally Santa Monica. We're staying at Shutters. We were in the hotel next door to Shutters. Shutters look really good. In fact, you don't need to eat anywhere else but Shutters. The restaurant's really good, and you look out over a lot of beach. To your right-hand side, there is the Santa Monica Pier, and it's, it's very pretty. People are very fit. People are very healthy. You'll love it. And shut- I, w- I would stay in shutters. It's nice. But we, we were next door. It's a bit more sort of Moroccan influence, I think, the one next door to us. So 
I would do that. In Vegas, I would definitely go to see as many shows as you possibly can. It depends how long you're going to stay there for. I would definitely do the Mob Museum. I would definitely do the Titanic exhibition, which is at the Luxor. That, that is worth going to see. <coughs> Excuse me, if only for the big piece, which is at the end, which is the huge piece of the Titanic, which they brought up from the depths. It's worth it just for that. And in fact, just interrupt, but remember, take water. Wherever you go, take water. You're in the middle of the desert. You'll absolutely bake. Los Angeles? Well, it's just wild, Los Angeles. You'll need a car. You can't really walk around. Sunset Boulevard is worth going to see. The hotels around there are worth going to see. Yosemite National Park, I can't... I've just seen the DVD of it. I've never been to Yosemite, but it looks fabulous. Monterey, we stayed at, and that's lovely. It's got a lovely aquarium at the front. You can touch the rays. And uh, everywhere you go, you'll find people are quite nice. The portions of food are ginormous. You will come back as big as a whale. I promise you, they've got no concept in America whatsoever of a small portion. They really, they've no idea what it is. Everything is like, you know, a, a meal fit for an entire family. I mean, I went there. Can you believe this? I actually put on weight. I find that difficult to believe, ladies and gentlemen. I used to be six pounds, three ounces, and look at me now. I've just ballooned. Just ballooned. Uh, sadly, we, we didn't do a gadget giveaway today because we haven't got the text back in the way we wanted to. We were waiting for um, everything to... Sorry, just been distracted by text. Uh, we're waiting for everything to sort of catch up, and it, there's so many texts in the backlog, it hasn't quite caught up yet, so I didn't want to do the gadget competition in case, you know, it wasn't right. So we'll resume it tomorrow, on the, once we got rid of the producer. And so we'll do that tomorrow on the, uh, the programme. And the Cheesecake Factory in Las Vegas, you've got to go to. And you've got to go to... What's the chocolate place? There's a chocolate place in the uh, Bellagio which is just all chocolate, it's just, I mean, I can't, but, you know, you'll, you'll absolutely love it. And, uh, and if you go to Venice Beach, you can get to see people who look like me being all muscly, you know, their little speedos and doing oh, 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 all this kind of stuff. That, that's, that's quite a big tourist attraction. In fact, just walking along Venice Beach is actually quite good from where you are. It's good. But uh, we, um, when we got a taxi back to the airport, it was really cheap. On the way there, it seemed to cost an arm and a leg. And I suddenly realised that sometimes you get rogue taxi drivers who sort of take you around, you know, all the sort of places you don't really want to go, I'm afraid. 84850, uh There's an emergency exit leading from under the restaurant into the Italian garden, then into Green Park through a discreet door on the far left of the wall. It's used to bring equipment furniture into the Ritz restaurant for private functions. Functions, says uh, Richard. So, they, so is, that in the, is that the Green Park then? Because they didn't take her out through, through the Green Park entrance. She, uh, she went out the side... She went out the side. Quite clearly, they, they, they were trying to sort of shield the removal. Quite, uh, quite seriously, shield the removal. They, they put up these screens, as opposed to most people would have wanted... I don't know why, but most people would have wanted to see something like that, I suppose. Uh, Thatcher was the right person at the right time, says Anne. Uh, regarding our industries. We were then newly in Europe and importing coal from Poland at such a cheap price. We couldn't afford to compete. We've become such a high-wage country. I think she already saw the writing on the wall and that eventually most, if not all, of our industry would go abroad and she tried to take the initiative by preempting it and starting to put in place alternatives such as banking. She largely succeeded, but the price was high. She was right. However, as most of our consumables are made cheaply in other countries. And thank you for that very much indeed. As I say, there is only the Mirror today who have been slightly negative. Most of the other papers have been very positive about the legacy and the 
and the undenying fact that she was absolutely pro-Britain. She'd have laid down and died herself, I should imagine, if she thought it was necessary to get the country pro-British. And during the Falklands War, you wouldn't have found a more patriotic nation. That's what we do. We do patriotism, and we do it very well. And the, the coverage in the newspapers today, they've all got special editions. So the Sun, I mean, I don't, I don't need to just repeat it again because every single one of them is covering the death of Margaret Thatcher at the age of 87 yesterday at the Ritz Hotel, where apparently she'd been for, for a little while. Thank you for your texts and emails. I'm sorry we didn't actually, <coughs> excuse me, manage to get round to all of them. I tried to get round to as, as many as possible, but the backlog in the system, so no gadget giveaway this morning. We'll do that tomorrow morning. There will, however, be a free podcast for you. Uh, today, I will be doing a free podcast which will not contain the words Margaret or Thatcher. It will be a, <coughs> a showbiz fest. We've culled a few stories for you, and we shall do those, and that'll be up for you just about seven o'clock this morning. Uh, Metro, again, tributes to Margaret Thatcher. The Times, I've got a, a special edition printed, military honours. <coughs> Excuse me, sorry, I've just got a very tickly throat. Bit of an annoying thing just to get at the end of the programme. Good, we didn't get it at the beginning of the programme. But the good thing is the flowers that uh, that are left outside. And uh, Mr Cameron has returned as Parliament is recalled for a tribute. And they managed to find about 20 people who were jumping up and down going they were really pleased that she died. And uh, those 20 people are probably still collecting all their benefits now and they're probably all very happy together. But as I said before, her old uh, friends rallied to protect her in her last days. Even when they were grilled on television yesterday, it was all done very discreetly, and they didn't give away anything at all. Listen, have yourself uh, a nice day. There'll be lots of talk with Nick Ferrari after the news at seven this morning, talking to the biographer of Margaret Thatcher, and trying to find out, you know, whether her legacy was that good. You know, was she the person that everybody thought she was? Was she the Iron Lady? And what her legacy was, and what she'll leave this country. Lots of people will be pitching up with Nick Ferrari <coughs> including those who weren't fans of Margaret Thatcher. And that's just after the news at seven. Have yourself a, a lovely day, coming up very shortly on LBC 97.3. The Morning News with Susan Bookbinder.